I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? I uh, talked to somebody, maybe it was yesterday, from a town called El Cajon. Don't know if you know El Cajon. Mm-hmm. Um, say you're based in San Diego at some point, yeah? 32nd? Me? Yeah. No, no. I, I lived in Huntington Beach for a long time. So. Okay. So El Cajon, and uh, it was crazy because they're like, oh, y'all went to school, high school in West Hills. She went to, are you? Are you? Yeah, I started the show a little bit ago. Oh shit, oh. man! What's up? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I was I was waiting for a pause because it's been a really long time since I've sat in the seat and uh, got to say the word "gentleman," Mister so, P. So it's been a little bit. I was just I was just waiting for the right moment. You were you were talking about San Diego just now, dude. I just miss that fucking city, man. I, I've grown up all over. My sister and I, military brats. I, I lived in Japan where my mother was raised, and there was some really beautiful parts of the island. Uh, you've been to Sasebo. No. No, it's it's a really beautiful island, Kyushu. Uh, and grew up in Hawaii. What, an island what? Kyushu. Slow down for white people. Kyushu yeah. is the southernmost island of Japan as you talk of the four main islands. I lived on Honshu. Okinawa is commonly considered the southernmost island, which is, it is a small little island. And you guys both lived there because of the military. Yep. Correct. Your, your mom's Japanese. Met dad as a Marine. Perfect. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yeah, dad, dad. Just so everyone knows why you guys know. Oh, why? Yeah, because I'm actually Asian disguised as an Arab, <laughs> a middle-aged Arab guy with That's a beard. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, man, uh, it's so good to be back in this room with you guys. Yeah. I, uh, I I miss it, guys and gals. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. This is our first show back. Justin Grubbs does want to be here. Mr. G, Mr. Mr. Ginger. Um, I accidentally. Thought ahead, I got so excited to put the show back together. I was like, "Yo, Justin, we're gonna be back!" And Nick's like, "Bro, let's keep some space." I put the kibosh on that shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we all have our own different ways of being germaphobes. Yeah, and you were the sensible one for sure in this case because I'm more of the germaphobe normally. I just got anxious to to hang out with you. Boys. How happy are you that the whole world has been discouraged from any <laughs> face touching? Has this affected your life positively in any way? I told you so. <laughs> I told you, motherfuckers. Your social distance don't walk me. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've always valued a hug. I'm not a hugger, but I've always yeah. truly valued. And, and you both have received hugs from me. Oh yeah. Commonly, if I celebrate something with somebody, they'll get a hug. Yeah. Um, it's not uncommon when somebody gets a rating that I've run their course. I give them a hug because that was a few days of putting up with my bullshit. For sure. <laughs> so thanks for being there, man. Uh, I don't think we've officially welcomed Chris Fudala to the show. Hey. Chris. Chris Fudala's here. We're going to talk about currency. Yay. You mean money? Money. Money. Money, money. No, man, we haven't jumped a lot. We haven't jumped nope. in a while. And, and when I say in a while, COVID-19, it's not been that long. When's the last time you jumped, Chris? Uh, What was the day that we shut down the drop zone? March 19th. Okay. And I only know that because it was Sam's birthday and I was at home. Yeah. So, March 19th. So, I mean, it's been six weeks? Yep. What's the longest you've gone without jumping? Six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it really it is a long time for a lot of people. Uh, I, I went five months because of a shoulder surgery. That yeah. was the longest I went without jumping. I and remember then that. Like three and a half months for winters in Indiana. Um, but there are people who might not have jumped since last fall because their northern drop zone was shut down. Yep. So it, it's it's a uh, th- this currency issue is not just a COVID nineteen topic. It's a topic, period, and I want people to be able to point back and listen to this conversation, whether you're current, uncurrent because of a pandemic, whether right. you're uncurrent because you just ain't jumped in a few years and life got in your way. This hopefully will fill your head with some type of knowledge, thoughts, and things you should do, or at least to get ahead of the game to get back on the DZ. For sure. Good conversation to have. Yeah. Well. So what do you miss most? Uh... My parachute. <laughs> I miss flying parachutes. Yeah. Yeah. I miss it a lot. Man, I, I've i not done any angle flying, tracking, or flocking. I've done tracking jumps in the past, yeah. but the, lately I've just watched so much movement video, and I don't know why. Yeah. And the thought of flying. I want to go move somewhere. Like, yeah. not, well, come on, move to Oregon, but not that way. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what you got? What do I miss the yeah. most? Gosh, man, I gotta go with. I just, I just miss landing my parachute. Yes, like doing something silly, having a good time. I don't know. I, I think uh, I do miss the feeling of free fall, of you know, hang, hanging upside down with a buddy in the middle of the sky. This is pretty fun. But uh, you know, I got a brand new parachute that has maybe five jumps on it and a bunch of kiting. A bunch of kiting is <laughs> for sure. I've never owned a parachute that has more time kiting than it does being in the sky, but uh, yeah, I've kited prob- probably a couple hours in the last few weeks. Yep. Have you done any kiting, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, how much have you done kiting before today or before COVID? Um, maybe on the random really bad wind, not bad weather, but a really bad wind hold when we're not flying at all and my parachute just happens to be unpacked. It's like, yeah. let's go kite a parachute. And then, it, you know, usually it's also a student is there with me waiting to try wait out the wind. And it's like, hey, you want to see what a parachute looks like when it's over your head? Ha! Ah, let's go. Put this thing up in the air. How much do you guys feel like you learned over the last, like, so many weeks of playing with your parachutes just on the ground that way? I mean, for real, I've gotten way better at kiting. That was, like, something that I've always been a little bit insecure about That with my, le- my, my number of skydives. And my I have zero tandem, so it's all under my own parachute that I should be better at kiting than I am. And I feel like I have gotten a lot better at just getting it up. (laughs) 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 You know when you realize right when you say a thing that you've just shoved your foot in your mouth? Uh, I'm great at getting it up and keeping it up, boys. It's been real good. But the uh, just just understanding what inputs I should do when. Maybe I don't understand why as much, but I, I don't understand why they work, but I understand that they do work. So using my fronts to initially get it inflated up off the ground and then immediately, you notice I missed it, and then (laughs) immediately onto some rears. And then if the wind's strong enough, you can just do almost nothing. And it's fun to just play with the harness to to keep it above your head. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much the similar story. I uh, people have not tried it. N- newer jumpers out there, first of all, really make sure you're in the right environment if you're going to kite it. I do not recommend kiting your parachute on your neighborhood road. <laughs> you don't no. know what chemicals, oils, gases, things have leaked onto that road. You don't know what glass or sharp metal can puncture your canopy. So really in a very clean, controlled place. Uh, not near power lines and parks. Really right. obvious things you would think, but no, I- I've seen some really silly places. Uh, but what advice would you guys give a new jumper 
uh, to start kiting a canopy? Smooth and consistent wind is definitely easier to manage at first. Uh, I remember at one point, like just putting everything away because it was getting so gusty that I was getting picked up and dragged. Uh, you know, had the kite or had it kiting under control, and then big gust of wind would come, and all of a sudden I'm 30 feet away from where I started. So uh, smooth and consistent winds definitely. Uh, for starting out until you can handle the kite a little bit better. I was going to say, or you've got the, the bigger canopy. Bit. So, like, talk about flying. What size canopy are you flying? 71. 71. So you don't really have a – you do have the bigger canopy, but you really don't have a big canopy either. Yeah. Uh, there were some other jumpers out there kiting canopies. I know, like, Lori Padaloco would yep. be one of them. Uh, and there were some with, I think, maybe bigger wings. What were their learning curves like? Um, Lori seemed to really get the hang of it really quickly. Uh, I – one of the first times that I went out there, she came and joined me and she was having a hard time getting the wing to stay up. And I said, why don't you just take your deployment bag and pilot shoot off and then see if that'll help because it's going to remove some of that parasitic drag. And uh, maybe that'll help you keep the wing a little bit more stable. And within, I don't know, 10 minutes, she was keeping the parachute in the sky all by herself, like very, uh, very easily anyway. She's keeping it up, Nick. Just keeping at, it up. Hey at, 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 at. Ladies are good at doing that for me. <laughs> um, so Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spill the wine. So how how current, we, we talked about that, or that's what we're talking about is currency, and how current are you? This conversation, just to kind of prime everybody, is going to go a few different ways. Number one, we want to talk about new jumper students. What do sure. you expect for currency? What time frames do you have? But also licensed jumpers. What should we expect as licensed jumpers? And, and I'm not just talking on a technical standard. I want to talk about on a practical experience level as well. Sure. And then, of course, we want to talk about rating holders as we can get to them. I mean, that honestly is a lot of information to pack in a couple hours. So uh, we sure. might gloss on some of it. Right, right. Well, I mean, we can get we could get as objective or subjective and take two hours on one side or the other of that with this whole topic. So <laughs> yeah. Like. So we'll start with students. I mean, you're a full-time instructor. Yep. How often do stu- new jumper students, unlicensed jumpers, need to jump? Students need to jump a minimum of every 30 days uh, with their uh, applicable instructor. So if it's a static line instructor, they need to be doing their static line jumps every 30 days. If it's an AFF instructor, they need to be doing their or jumping with their AFF instructor every 30 days. It, basically with the appropriate rating holder. Correct. Um, and if you don't go, if you don't jump, you basically just have to jump with a rating holder again. Mm-hmm. If you're a licensed, if you're a, a licensed, or excuse me, a student jumper, and let's say you're on a level four, which is category D in some places, four yep. D, whatever you want to call it. We'll say four from now on. <coughs> excuse me. I'm allergic. I do not have COVID. I have allergies <laughs> to some. Prove it. Where are your test results? <coughs> I'm Chinese. We all have it. So, <laughs> um, uh, no, man, I, I think it's, it's dairy because ice cream does it to me really badly as well, but I refuse to acknowledge it's dairy, and I like dairy too much. Food allergies are a motherfucker, man. It's, it's super hard to know what it is because it's very rare that you're eating just one thing all on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, told, you told me earlier that you've never tried an elimination... Elish, <laughs> English. An elimination diet. Have you considered trying an elimination diet? I... Yes, I have, and I actually think that's something I want to do this year. You're going to do the carnivore diet, aren't you? Uh, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I haven't thought that hard. I just know a couple things, and one of them is is I need to get focused back on my health. I, I've gained the COVID-19. I'm not really 19, but hmm. put on a few pounds. I've eaten like crap, 
since we've been sitting at home. So elimination diet, like it's a good time just to reset, and that might be a good way to reset it all is use an elimination diet. So start carnivore. Is that what you're saying? It works. It's a good one. <laughs> Gives you a reason to eat a whole lot of T-bones. A lot of rib. You a ribeye guy? Tri-tip. Oh, dude, tri-tip, tri-tip rib, yeah. rice, filet, yeah, man, steak. I, I, America. Beef. Oh, man, I love <laughs> a good cut of meat, so it's not hard to convince me to eat all meat. So what, you were saying something before we got on this. Oh, man, talk cook. about meat now. Instructors, so it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about what uh, different levels of currency you can be. New jumpers, uh, you have to jump with a rating holder again. So if you're yep. on a level four, you have to go do another jump on a level four. A lot of people will say you must go back. No, it is a good idea to go backwards. It is a good idea not to continue on. The last jump I passed is level four. You can technically go ahead and do a level five as your recurrency jump. Right. But do you think that's the best idea? Not necessarily. Like, uh, it, it, it would depend on a couple of factors. Let's just say your standard, you just walked in. I don't know this student at all. You're going to go ahead and repeat the level four. Number one, it's a skill that you should already know. And number two... It's a dive flow that you're already familiar with. Let's go ahead and start with something that you've already successfully completed because if you've already successfully com- completed it, you should have some sort of confidence going into that dive flow again, uh, regardless of how long you've gone on current. Um, as for moving forward, if it was a student that I knew and they were one day over and they had performed exceedingly well on that skydive, I might consider moving them up to the next uh, the next jump because the next jump in category D is more turns uh, just with a varying degree on the turns so yeah I would definitely consider any position I was in to to go back to the basics just to reinforce for a lot of new jumpers they don't realize this but when we go on current we get nervous jumping back in the sky for sure now let me tell you Chris you haven't jumped in six weeks yeah on your next skydive I'm going to have you do a jump that you've never done before. On your next skydive, I'm going to have you jump that tertiary rig that I, that Nick and I use for the uh, for the cutaway jumps. And mm-hmm. you're going to do an intentional cutaway on your recurrency jump. No, thanks. I'm good. So you don't want to try something new on a recurrency jump? No, thanks. <clears throat> as fun as it would be, no thanks. And I, I, I asked that question. I put that out there because, guys and gals, it's not something we're recommending you do just because you're you. We feel the same way when yeah. we're doing recurrency jumps. What's your first jump back going to be? Most likely a hop and pop. Yeah. Most likely. Just Number one, because I want to fly my parachute all by myself where I don't have to worry about anybody else in the sky. <laughs> Nick, I know yours would be a hop and pop, but what would your second jump be? Uh, I was just going to piggyback on the idea of, of doing a hop and pop. I, w- when I know that I'm going to have skydiving nerves, I seem to get less of those nerves doing a hop and pop because yeah. I get to sit right by the door. I feel safer about when I can get out. I'm not on the plane as long. The nerves don't build so much. I don't have to worry about what's going to go on in free fall. I just worry about getting out of the airplane and, and pulling my parachute. A lot of people will have uh, reserve repacks done in this time too. And if my reserve's been repacked also anytime, you know, there's been a major change of anything in my gear, I just like to do a, a hop and pop because it's just less to think about. Jump number two, though, you said. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably go on like a... I mean, my, my favorite jumps are, are two ways with people who can who can fly a little bit. So uh, maybe Carlos, maybe Blake. But uh, yeah, just, just may, maybe a small plan, but just uh, just go move around, smile, have fun, feel the wind. Yeah. Man, we have some cool friends who can fly. Definitely. I, for me, hop and pop 100%. The, the, echoing everything you guys said. 
Um, I really enjoy the moment of focus a skydive gives me when I can stop and just breathe and just focus on relaxing. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few places that forces me to do that. So I really appreciate that space. And, and Nick, you kind of talked about that mental headspace of a hop and pop. So <coughs> jumpers, students, you don't have to repeat your last successful jump. But man, it really is a good idea, especially yeah. based off currency. Um, it, what defines a student? Uh, it depends on the program that you're at with whatever school you're at. Um, but the textbook definition is after you've completed AFF or the static night program. I'm going to say license because a textbook definition is a license. Anybody without a license is technically a student. Ah, uh, okay. I misunderstood yeah. the question. Sorry yeah, about no, that. No, it's not a problem, man. Anybody who is... I, I, didn't, I didn't give you full detail. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. No, no. Anybody who's not got a license is technically a student. So you've completed your student jumps. You've graduated your student program, and you've only right. got 24 jumps. Be ready in the next uh, jump, if you've got more than 30 days, to have to do a recurrency jump with a coach or an instructor. Right. So... Um, a lot of coaches are helping friends out. A lot of people are helping each other out. Uh, a, a lot of uh, um, drop zones are doing a little bit mass recurrency training ideas. And kudos to them for bringing people back. But guys and gals, if you are getting current and your instructor or your coaches are hooking you up, if they've got a full-time job, they're being generous, they're hooking you up, and that is great and for sure uh, still consider them. But those who work in the sport, even if they're hooking you up, consider a tip. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to beg for the industry because <laughs> I've been in it for a long time and I watch my brothers and sisters starve and right now they're they're struggling really bad and those recurrency jumps they charge or not man a $5 tip is unbelievably gracious man it really is buy them a six pack of beer they probably don't need any more of that yeah mm. probably not yeah but it, it it really is nice uh, from their license jumpers, what is the license jumper currency? You got the checklist, actually. Oh, I got the checklist? Okay. Well, which one do we want to talk about first? A license? Uh, let's go with the numbers for each one of them, first of all. Oh, okay. So, uh, A license holders, you have 60 days. If you go past 60 days, you are uncurrent. B license jumpers, you have 90 days. Uh, same story. You go past 90 days, you're uncurrent. C and D license holders, so Charlie and Delta license holders, 180 days. That's all you get. And what happens in the, that time frame if you don't jump? Uh, if you don't jump, uh, the book pretty much says you should be going with an instructional rating holder uh, under, su under direct supervision of an instructional rating holder uh, on your next skydive. And do you know what the details are for B off the top of your head? Or A and B, et cetera? If not, I, I might be able to get off my head. I got the book right here. Okay, cool. And I can look at it. Uh... 60 days should make at least one jump under the direct or under the supervision of a currently rated USPA instructional rating holder until demonstrating altitude awareness, free fall control on all axes, tracking, and canopy skills sufficient for safely jumping in groups. Yeah, it's pretty simple. An A license, you've got to do a uh, checkout dive. A license checkout dive, yeah. 360, 360 flip, dock, break off. That is, and I'll say that slower because some of you guys... I say that like it's re repetitive. It is. Uh, a recurrency jump, if you have an A license, is an A license check dive. Right. Hop out of the plane. No grips, no dock, solo. What comes next, Chris? Uh, alternating 360s. So a 360 left, a 360 right. Then a back loop. And then after that, a dock from at least 20 feet out. And turn and track on time. And pull on time. 
not uncommon an A license jumper can do that and a couple extra points. Oh, for sure. If you've got a good number of jumps in the last six months, probably going to be okay with that. Don't be embarrassed and don't be sad that if that's all you can do on that skydive, Mm-mm. I mean, we are spoiled because we're jumping from 14 grand. You might be jumping from a drop zone from 9,500 feet. So if yep. you hear us say that our jumpers can do it in that time frame, well, we got a little more free fall than some of you. So Yeah. And I've seen us get capped mm. at 10,000 feet due to a super high overcast layer and still had uh, students be able to pull off, you know, hey, let's go ahead and turn another turn another side body or get a couple more 360s in yeah. and still have plenty of time to uh, turn and track. So you should also be able to have a soft stand-up landing within, I forget a distance of the target, but you, you need to show you have the ability to land like a safe human being. So it, yeah, it just says sufficiently uh, sufficient for safely jumping. Did you just hold a book up to your face and pull it far away? Yeah. Man, you're getting old. Yeah. Or, or there's a microphone in front of your face. Yeah, you can, it's, you can that was kind of screwing with the, the depth perception right there. <laughs> you need reading glasses, don't you? No. You're too young for that, actually. No. How old are you? 35. Yeah, you're too... Man, goddamn. Yeah. <clears throat> I've gotten to the point where I need reading glasses for my reading glasses. Not really, <laughs> but it, it uh, it's helpful. I do have to do this to do that. Uh, a license jumpers, it's, it's simple. B, C, and D... Uh, it's basically show that you have the ability to hold the license you do, yep. which simply do a recurrency jump, uh, turn a couple points, yeah. take off, and then that yep. shows you have that ability to hold that license. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure what uh, every drop zone is going to do. I know uh, at Spaceland where I work, we're going to just go ahead and have you do the license routine because it's easy, and then after that, we'll probably plan some other fun stuff to do. Yeah, what depending else? on the level, depending on how out of current and so forth, you know. So that's what the book says. What yeah. should people really be doing to get current? I, I I have an A license. I haven't jumped in 80 days. Or excuse me, 120 days. They should visit eSkydiving.com. <laughs> they, yeah. really, they got a really <laughs> Gomer guy on there, man. Yeah, you really nailed that timing. I just, pull, I just pulled up the <laughs> video so of your chat. Uh, yeah, you should definitely check out that uh, eSkydiving.com. What um, is that? That is a uh, fun little project that Mr. Nick Lott and I uh, started, and then with the help of uh, Christy West and a handful of other people at Skydive Spaceland, we put together uh, just to really help our um, help the community get their head back in the book. Uh, there's a lot of very, very good information that I talk about uh, that uses not only the Skydive Spaceland manual, but I do reference the sim uh, as much as I can, much as I can. Uh, in that time frame, and it just gets it helps get you in the reference material. Um, it's also the same things that I would inspect uh, every instructor to probably ask a few questions about, like, hey, uh, I want you to tell me a little bit about what your pattern is going to look like. Okay, where did you find that information? You know, and then that way, not only are they building their knowledge and they're keeping their brain fresh on the sport of skydiving, they're also getting their heads in this handy manual that I think a lot of people forget about. So. And you guys did a great job w- with those videos. It, it, uh, I got to watch them as you guys were producing them. And you could tell uh, Nick gets in front of you with a camera, and he makes you nervous, doesn't he? Man, uh, I really try it, not to. It, you it do a great Nick. job. It wasn't Nick. Yeah. It was that, what did you call it? The, 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 the black, black eye, eye of death. The black eye of death that is a camera lens. Yeah, I've experienced it a handful Man. of times in the last few weeks myself. Yeah, like these ones out in front of here, these are not intimidating. Yeah, these are subtle, right? Yeah. yeah. But you look into that big piece of Dude, glass. that giant... 4K camera that you have. Oh my gosh. You do a good job of getting people through camera uh, 
anxiety. You really well, are. Well, I don't do a good job of getting me through it, so I'm glad that I can help somebody else. <laughs> I've enjoyed your little T-Rex fucking That roars. T-Rex stuff was hilarious. That, that, that roar was, that I did giggle. PD video was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the, uh, go to East Skydiving, first of all. If yeah. all you did, right, I've actually gotten messages from a lot of friends asking yeah. about e-skydiving. They've been shared on a lot of different drop zones now. A lot of different forums online are sharing it. Yep. And it's super cool. Spaceland is, is sponsored it. Uh, the Rating Center helped. You helped. Uh, I consulted with Nick and Christy on some of the back-end stuff. And it, it's a super cool program. For now, it's going to be free. For At now, yeah. some point, it's probably going to be a paid service. But I think, and I don't know for sure the timing, but I think through COVID-19, Spaceland is at least going to keep it as a resource available to everybody. Yeah, I think until it's uh, you know at least a reasonable amount of time to expect people who have gone uncurrent during this this whole situation sure. for those people to get back and to, to make a jump. So I'm sure it'll be up for at least several months. But uh, for those who haven't caught it online, I think that we, we did six videos. We talk about just kind of an introduction slash yeah. miniature drop zone tour, but mostly encouraging people, hey, get to your drop zone yeah. and, and take a tour of the facilities. Make sure you get familiar with the places you're not supposed to be and what, right. your, what your role there is. Second is aircraft procedures. Yep. Then we get into free fall procedures yep. and then canopy procedures, canopy emergencies, and then a gear check. Yeah. So I think that there's just just about an hour of video content. There's a test that goes along with it. We yep. tried to um, t- teach to the test a little bit, and I think that the <laughs> test is is built around the most relevant information for for most uncurrent skydivers. But it also helps to bring up you know the the good information that's not on the test and gives you all the all the stuff to you know study guides and all that. But I going through this process with you, I, you know, I'm not an AFF instructor right yet. And uh, yet, and uh, you threaten that at least yeah, it's, like every it's, it's six gonna, months. It's gonna happen. No, this it'll, is it'll happen this time. This I've, is a real conversation. I've, I've said it'll happen. It'll happen. I, I, I'm so game. But uh, so game. No, you're not. Dang it! Come on. <laughs> no. can, I, can I at least shoot outside video? <laughs> this is personal. Can I at least? Can I at Got least it. do outside video? Can I tell you how flattering it is to have two handsome gentlemen fighting? Come over on, me? please. But I know I'm not ready yet. You're welcome to shoot video. Yes. But the I was super surprised by how easy the sim is to navigate online. Right. Like, you can either download the full PDF copy of it and go through it that way if you like, but right. the the online version that lives on their website is super easy to navigate, super easy to find the sections that you're looking for. So if you aren't an, uh, a Skydive Spaceland jumper, if you don't have access to the to the STP manual, gosh, the sim is so easy to navigate, and the, yes. the videos on eSkydive are going to point you right to the right spot. And it's free. And it's free. Said. It's free. So Who doesn't love free? Free fifty, exactly. free fifty. What are you doing over there on your phone? I am actually catching up to uh, the this the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I, working, right? Yeah, I, it is. Lately, I've actually started. I, I don't know if you noticed while we were here on the couch. I started actually monitoring some of the comments on here. Mm-hmm. It's nice to just keep touch and keep base of what's going on, even if I just watch it later on. What's up, Skullman? Little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know who that is. It's a gaming buddy of mine, Mike Pappas. I just saw him. Oh no, that's not who it was, man. Uh, Mike Para. I'm sorry. I well, thought. Was, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mike. My friend doesn't know how to read. <laughs> it's my uh, squinty Asian eye. Little bitch, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh God, I forget what I was saying now. I don't know. Let's get back to currency then. Yeah, we were talking about. Something to do with jumps. And so whatnot. people are going to go to East Skydiving. If all you do is you go to East Skydiving and you go through those videos and you listen and you pay attention and you think about those things and you take the test and earnestly read and digest the answers. Don't yep. answer the test to answer. Read the question. Digest the answer. Make sure you understand the process. Yep. If you did that, 
when you come back to do your recurrency jump, your life will be gold. So much easier. Not not just for you, but for us as instructors as well. Uh, the, le- the less time that I have to spend retraining you or reteaching you, the quicker I get to put you on an airplane. And so. the person behind him. Yeah. And the person too. behind him. Man, how backed up, to backed up do you think the DZ is going to be? It's a really good question. I am very curious to see how quickly or slowly people return. Right. I think that licensed skydivers are probably going to be pretty quick to come back out. Yeah. Um, students, students, I'm not sure. Tandems, I'm just not sure. I think skydivers love skydiving enough that they're, you know, obviously w- willing to overlook some risk. Um, but I don't know how anyone's germophobia is going to impact their love of skydiving. And then I don't know how, you know, uh, students or especially tandems who don't really know how the drop zone set up, they don't know what the space is going to look like. I'm, I'm prepared for, Hey, it's going to be kind of a trickling in return to normal. And I'm also ready for, Hey, everyone's been cooped up for the last six weeks. People are ready to get out. They want to enjoy life. People have seen how short life is. They hate the feeling of being cooped up and they want to do some crazy shit like jumping out of an airplane. I, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if those people show up in droves. Yeah. I I think it's going to be like, uh, every other somewhat major holiday that we have at the drop zone, it's going to be hit or miss. I mean, and it's almost, yeah. you know, May starts tomorrow. It's the time yeah. of year where we're getting the, the perfect weather. I mean, everyone's out of school already, right? Yeah. Look so at that sky out the, there, right? It's yeah, the beautiful, past three beautiful days day. have been... Mm. It's effing gorgeous. I've actually not gotten too stir-crazy or emotionally frustrated or upset or bothered, and I still am not really there, but in the last about this week... It's hit me. It lasts about four or five days. I'm like, man, I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. Hence the redecorating of the office. Yeah. That's there's all sorts of shit going on. Um, licensed jumpers, what else should they do? We talked about East Scott. What else should they do to get current? What else should we think about as jumpers? Uh well, for sure your USPA membership. If you haven't, double check to make sure that your USPA membership, which reminds me, mine do is in it due at the end of the month. Uh Make sure your USPA membership is current because that's something that we're going to check. Uh, make sure your gear, if you're bringing your own gear, make sure your reserve repacks are, uh, are current. Uh, probably think about pulling your main out and get let it get some air. That's uh, something like, again, that uh, Nick and I have been doing. We've been kiting our parachutes, and I just don't pack mine back up because I'm not 100% on when I'm going to jump it again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, make sure your parachute gets some air. Uh, get a good fresh uh, repack on your main parachute as well. Uh, what else? Think about some of those things for a second. For example, USPA, they, mm-hmm. like a lot of companies, have been running on a skeleton staff. Yep. So if we all suddenly bum rush USPA to renew our stuff because I didn't need to renew it till now, man, you're you're your own worst enemy. Yep. So go ahead and get ahead of that curve and bum rush them now. Um, man, some DZs are opening tomorrow. As yeah. a matter of fact, there's quite a few DZs opening, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, I think uh, many of the Florida drop zones and just other stuff on the East Coast, I think yeah. some of those states yeah. have a pretty uh, gung-ho approach to getting things back open. Rayford, which is uh, Paraclete XP or whatever the name of the drop zone is now, the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Several small, small-ish 182s. Yeah, Skydive City is open back up. Uh, DeLand, I think, maybe. Did you see anything That's about That's a them? good question. I'm gonna, I'll look that one up. Look that one up. But those two, for sure, I know I've seen Z-Hills and what's the name of that dang place I said the first time? Paraclete. Thank you. Paraclete. Those are both opening back up. They're going to limit sizes, planes. And that's like a super curious question. How many people are... It's got to have the land reopening on May 2nd. May 2nd. So some drop zones are going to allow full loads. I've seen that. I've already heard that. If it's a full load, you have to wear a mask. 
it's not a full load, you don't. I've actually seen that standard on some drop zones hmm. policy somewhere. Um, but are drop zones going to limit loads? Are they going to limit numbers? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen anything official on that. So, I mean, I, it's the state of Texas is saying 50% uh, when, when gyms open back up, and I'm going to call skydiving a gym just to make my life easy. Sure, fair enough. I think there are some Texas drop zones opening up May 1st. I think they're already opening up, and kudos to them. Everybody's going to take their own approach. There's no right or wrong here. Um, but a lot of drop zones are considering themselves like gyms. It's it's a social or recreational place. Um do they limit it to 50% capacity, like half a plane full? I just, if they do, expect to pay more. Yeah. I think that that just really depends on who's interpreting those rules mm-hmm. and what their conclusions are. Yeah. You know, it, it just depends on what do you, you want to measure 50% capacity at, like the mass capacity of, you know, what the fire code says the hangar can hold. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, we did 280-some tandems in a day. Can we do fifty percent of that? <laughs> like I remember I, that day. And or or are they going to look at it as the you know the smallest common denominator of the the airplane of of, of closed space enclosed spaces? Yeah. But uh, you make a good point with your fart though. <laughs> the fart spreading in the airplane. Yeah. It's I don't think you've said that one on the air, but uh, it, if you're so in my head, it's like let, okay, let's limit to half a load. It is that's still a pretty fucking full plane, man. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Social distancing in an airplane, even with a halfway full load, trying to get six feet between people, I just don't think it's very feasible. I mean, granted, I mean, I guess it depends on the setup of the airplane, whether you're doing straddle benches where you're looking at the back of somebody's head or whether you're doing uh, side benches where you're face to face. But uh, the rules say... And I haven't read everything, mm-hmm. but that uh, social distancing is important, except for in situations where do- social distancing isn't possible. Then you have to take other precautionary measures. Right. And so, okay, does that mean we're all going to wear masks, wash our hands before we get on the airplane, don't touch our face, pull your mask off uh, before you leave the airplane, put the mask on before you come back inside? To me, that seems pretty reasonable and I think uh, beyond what most places are doing. But for Spaceland, I can tell you that the all those details haven't been 100% fully worked out. We're talking it all out, uh, and we'll get there before we expect to open. I uh, I actually didn't expect you to speak up on Spaceland on that one. I, I know you have a lot more inside knowledge than not. Um, yeah, but I mean, not, nothing nothing's written in stone, and, I, and yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of grateful that the... There are other other states opening before us, so we're going to have the benefit of seeing the mistakes that others are making, yeah. and seeing if others have problems. See how fun jumpers take to you know how skydivers feel about rules. They're usually pretty you know there's some pushback against the new them. ones, and so you know it's it's going to be great to have uh, that information about what what other places are doing. And I think the question you asked me was about farts spreading in the airplane, which was my my point to you a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, when someone farts in the airplane, it's pretty easy to smell it pretty quick. But, um, you know, the solution to that is always open the door and the fart goes away pretty quick. So if we're talking about having masks on when the door is closed and masks only come off uh, again when the door is open and we're exiting the, the airplane, um, you know, I also if someone farts, the first thing I do is I close my full face helmet and I also cease to smell the fart. So, uh, you know, nothing's nothing's 100 percent. And especially with, you know, the limited knowledge that's out there about COVID-19 right now, it's like you, you take as much as you can get your hands on, take the stuff that makes the most sense, you watch what other people are doing and try and make your, your best version and 
you know, if you don't feel safe about skydiving right now, then uh, don't don't do it. That's, yep. that's I think that's the best advice I can give anybody. But I mean, the, with what we know about how or what we're finding out about how long it's been in the U.S. and how many people have already had it. The more information that comes out, the less threatening the disease seems overall, and the more it seems like, um, the more it sounds safe to just start to get back to something a little more similar to to life before all this started. Yes, I agree to a lot of what you just said. Actually, I think all of it, but uh, the whole idea of we are getting more and more information. Early on, I was ready to, to isolate and sit down because we didn't know anything. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? When you don't have any of the information, hey, let's treat a worst-case scenario. Let's all hunker down. Let's all be ready to social distance, and I'm not, not seeing Grandma for however, you know, until 2022, <laughs> whatever it's going to take. Yeah. But um, I think it's fine to have that reaction when there's no information. But when there's new information, you've got to consider the information about what the best way is to, to go forward, especially when you see uh, all the other social impacts that uh, that this is having where it comes to... You know, uh, economic detriment for us and many people who we know and, uh, yeah, you know, depression problems. And, uh, you know, uh, I've heard, I don't know how, how true this is, but abuse problems are higher. And it's like, I yeah. can I can understand that. You Sam know, be, beats you, doesn't she? <laughs> dude, she hits me so much. <laughs> Did you see the bruises? Oh, man. I, I love Sam so much. I am ready to go uh, have a good dinner with you guys when this is all done. She's a sweetie. I'm going to hit her with a book later, though. <laughs> do you know what a do you know what a ganglion cyst is? No. If you've no. seen someone who Sam gets it from yoga, some some people who like play piano or guitar or on a key, on the keyboard a lot will get it. Okay. It almost looks like you have this extra wrist bone in the mm-hmm. center of the top of your wrist. It's a ganglion yeah. cyst, and she's got a huge one right now. And I want <laughs> I popped it once before, <laughs> where I just took a really big book. I made her hang her hand onto a bar stool with her hand kind of bent over the stool so the, the, the cyst is like really protruding and then I just got the heaviest book <laughs> in the house that I could find and I mean she had a, she said I could do it it's not like I snuck up on her she knew, she knew what was happening but then I just dude I wound it up one good time and smashed the shit out of it she starts crying instantly which you know I felt I felt bad and I I was concerned that I didn't think about this before, but I was like, oh, fuck, what if I just broke her tiny wrist? <laughs> like, let alone maybe I didn't pop the cyst, but like, <laughs> what if I just broke her wrist and now I got to take her to the hospital? But she bawled her eyes out for probably 10 or 15 minutes and she was just holding her wrist crying. So we didn't, like, I didn't even get to see it to see if it had worked. So I'm like trying to peek over her hand and be like, is that fucking thing still there? <laughs> Luckily, we I, we popped the cyst. The cyst <laughs> went away. It was gone for several months before it came back. And then she had it drained once professionally. She, she's a nurse, for anyone that doesn't know. She, she had it drained by one of the doctors at the freestanding uh, ER where she works. And now it's back for a third time. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna hey, start making diehard movies about Nick, it. Hold up your pinky to the camera. What? That, that, that's how big Sam's wrist is. By the oh, way, yeah. No, it's like <laughs> it's like this big. It's like two of my fingers. I bet. But yeah, I didn't break it. It was good news. And this whole conversation started picture. with, I get to hit her with a book. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> she, well, she asked me like te- t- two days ago, she sent me a text message of, can we pop my cyst? And I'm like, fuck yeah, game on. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, you know, it's going to make me cry, right? And I was like, yeah, I know. 
Like that's yeah, and that's sad. It makes my heart frown when you cry. That is You're sad. You're smiling so much as you say. I this. mean, it's fun. Like it's just the like the science nerd part of me. <laughs> and for anyone that doesn't know, I, I did body piercing for a long time for like ten years, and. Like, if this was still in the piercing days, I would just bring her to the piercing studio and I would drain it with a needle and I would be fascinated by it. I just think it's cool. <laughs> like, the stuff that the human body can do is cool. And the fact that I can smash her with a book and burst the cell walls of this cyst and it dissipates into her body, that shit is neat to me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I want to do it. That's just awesome. It's, it's not the fact that I want to hurt her. That's not what I want. <laughs> I just want to smash her cyst and watch it go away. Hit the fact button. that it hurts her, it doesn't hurt. I mean, <laughs> that's not going to stop me. <laughs> I've seen the way she talks back to you. I get it. She's a sassy little thing. Oh, man, yeah. dude. I did not know you were a piercer in a former life. Really? No, did not yeah. know that. I did some shit. Yeah. Man, I forget how much time I spend with Nick Law. Uh, things that people don't know about you. I'm like, you don't know that? Like, oh, yeah. I guess it's not public knowledge. Just seems to fit the way I look, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that weird, that fucking weirdo with all the shit on his face and the stuff makes on his sense. hands. Yeah. Yeah. He it did makes that. sense. Yeah. Uh, think about recurrency. Think about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you got back in. Oh, I'm getting there. Yeah. Th- think about your emergency procedures. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really, like, train your brain on it. Like, what are some ideas or what things should we think about with EPs as a license jumper? Uh, visualization. Uh, that's something that. Uh, I'm usually pretty good about, uh, especially like on the airplane, a uh, couple minutes before exit, I'm finished talking to my student. I give them their quiet time to visualize their skydive. And one of the things that I visualize is what happens at the end of the skydive. What's the what's the scariest scenario that I can come with in that moment that I may have to deal with under a parachute? And that's generally for me on my little 71. I'm sorry, my big 71, as you called it. Uh, the tugboat. <laughs> uh, that's generally something in the neighborhood of like spinning line twists that are diving very violently at the ground. But, you know, stuff like that. Like uh, picture yourself uh, at home under uh, under canopy and go, hey, I just pitched my parachute. And then think of something gnarly happening and what's going to be your response to it. And just visualize your way through it. Yeah, I w- was going to piggyback on that and just say that it's, so, I mean, having been through a few malfunctions, it's so much more effective in my own practice when I actually visualize it. When I take sure. the time to, you know, like imagine all the four-way belly flyers that people make fun of for, for, you know, they close their eyes and they do their little dance. Man, I do that same thing when I think about pulling my handles. I close my eyes. I imagine seeing the malfunction. I imagine, I mean, and, and when I say imagine grab my handle, I'm still putting my hand on my handle. I'm looking up, I'm, I'm feeling the, the Velcro go, I extend my hand, I feel the three rings release, I look at my risers, here, here comes my other handle. Like if, you, if you really think, uh, think about it and uh, go through the steps instead of go through the motions, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I like the way you said feel each movement happening, including uh, for those of you that have never actually peeled and pulled real handles before, visualize actually feeling that Velcro strip out of its thing. And if you've never peeled the handles out of a rig before in real life, try it. It's going to feel different than you think if, you just, if you're just if you used to just practicing things in the malfunction junction like the setup that we have at uh, Sky Space Line. So. Man, uh, it's so well said, both of you guys. Yep. Actually practice this. Every time I touch my handles in the plane, 
I touch them to make sure they're secure, and then I go through the complete and absolute motion. And, and the way Nick described, I think couldn't be said better. So for sure, think about those EPs. Really, this next one is going to be a tricky one for for me to talk about, and it's. EPs, for sure, we're going to prioritize the unlicensed jumpers. We're going to prioritize the newer jumpers to get through emergency procedures. We always encourage licensed jumpers to stand in and go through emergency procedures any time that we can, as long as we don't have a a special student, somebody who's a little bit slower not picking it up or who's intimidated by the crowd. Um, But with social separation and social distancing, it's going to be a little bit harder to kind of creep in and get into that gap. Mm-hmm. So be observant as a licensed jumper of what's going on with malfunction review. Be observant to when you can watch, listen, and be in still a safe place. Every drop zone is going to have their social distancing, their, their accepted standard, and uh, do by minimum their accepted standard or more if you're comfortable with more. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, the other thing I was going to uh, add in to that was... Uh, especially for you younger jumpers that have questions about any certain scenarios that you may visualize or maybe you're reading through your manual and you read something that you're not quite sure about, write that question down, highlight that passage, bring it to the intention of your instructor. We love those kinds of questions. When you come up with something tricky, that shows us that you're actually analyzing what you're, uh, what you're reading and what you're thinking about. So, yeah, please bring those questions to the table for sure. We're going to hit Logan Hall in the head really hard. I, would, I was just seeing that in the comments. I really hope that happens. Uh, M- Marcy, for I missed sure. It, yeah. it. Video or didn't. Oh, you, you remember Marcy and Logan? Yeah. Uh, I miss those guys. Mar- Marcy claims that Logan has a cyst on his head and Sweet. is going to employ the book trick. Y- if you don't believe me, like show him, uh, Marcy, show him videos on YouTube. You can find uh, <laughs> videos of this working on YouTube <laughs> of people smashing cysts with the book and then no more cysts. <laughs> so uh, he might fall for it. And then get video of it so we can all watch. I mean, what part of his head, I wonder? Like, forehead? I think that shit would definitely work. <laughs> and I think it would definitely be as hilarious as you described. I mean, back of the head, like, if you get down into your neck where it's kind of meaty, I don't think it's going to work as well. But if there's a hard surface on the backside to, to like, reinforce it, you know? Let's give Logan a concussion. I mean, it won't hurt him one Let's bit. be real. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot to lose. Come on. <laughs> as long as you don't mess up that beautiful hair of his, man. That, that kid's got some good hair. So, uh, Think about your EPs before you get jumping back. Mm-hmm. Really take more time thinking about your pattern. Get out in the spectator area and start looking at things. For sure. Uh, and for those of you jumping at Spaceland, we're going to walk you through the patterns. We have that big old taped out map there for a reason. Uh, we're going to walk you through that. Make sure that you not only have an understanding of what you're getting ready to go do under your parachute, but that uh, uh, we can address any questions that you may have about your pattern and how to fly it and stuff. Look at the winds. Know them more than you ever have really known them. Um, And I say that because, unfortunately, most people don't know them as well as they should. Uh, Yeah, uh, and that goes for uppers as well. Uh, MarkSchultz.net is an easy reference uh, to find. Uh, for those of you looking at the Houston Spaceland or any of the Spaceland's uh, load clocks, we have the windmometers at the bottom of the screen as well. So know what they're doing. The windmometers? <laughs> yeah. Is that what we call them now? I forgot what the actual word is. Anemometer. Anemometer. Yeah, that word. No, no, but wind windmometer actually is something, every time I say anemometer to somebody, they look at me like I have a nose growing out of my eye. <laughs> if I say windometer, they are like, yeah, I know what that is. Like, probably think that's the real name for it. So yeah, I think I say wind meter. The wind meter. That's fine. Yeah, wind meter is yeah. completely fine. But Chris gave it a complete like its own name. 
Windometer. I like I like windometer. I like I like almometer too. I stole that one from you. Are you guys O-mometer. saying omometer? No, <laughs> like almometer. Like omometer. Almometer. Omometer. Almometer. Omom. Omometer. What? <laughs> I don't get the joke. Are we saying like oh mom? Is that what we're saying? I d- whatever you just asked, <laughs> I started agreeing with you and just thought I have no clue. What you're I doing. mean, I've heard people. I, I think I heard Liz Sass be the first one to popularize the term omometer. Uh, that's something uh, I've been saying for a long time. Yeah, what does it mean, omometer? Omometer? Your omometer? All? Yeah, omometer. Omometer. Yeah. So I'm an AFF examiner. Uh, I act like a student. And when we train, Chris became one of me. He's, a, he's an evaluator. So you're just saying this is a pretending to be a dumb student word. Yeah. And it's, a, you have to do things you've seen real students do. And I will legit, like half the student things you see me do, I've seen a real student do. And it just makes me laugh to do stupid student shit. Okay. Almometer, tangent. If you ever see, I went on a tangent. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's Great. from a student. Yeah. Okay. So they're almost all real life experiences. Okay, I just didn't. I honestly just didn't know if you guys had a real thing you were saying, like if oh oh mom, I'll, if you were just making. Yeah. Now I get it. Anytime just, you just, see me and DJ misbehaving in the loading area or misbehaving on the drop zone while we're fully geared up, it's likely because we're training somebody, and it's and you're just trying to fuck somebody's day up. And it's a hundred percent because we've actually seen real students do the silly stuff that we're doing. It's uh, the the it's best. Hilarious. The best one ever was remember Ken Stone. I definitely remember Ken Stone. Ken was sitting on the loading area bench, and <laughs> Guru went walking by, and this is an AFF eval jump. Wait, and who's the candidate? I cannot remember, but I want to say That was Cy. It was uh, Cy and, uh, um, dang it, what was his friend's name? Cy and... Not Beavis, but Butthead. Not, not Butthead, but Beavis. The tall, skinny one. Royce. Royce, yeah, oh, there you go. Royce Wilson. Yeah, yeah, And, dude... Oh, Royce was a... This was Royce. Royce, Royce was the candidate. Yes. Okay, I got you. Freaking Ken pops up faster in hell and just immediately like speed walks. Oh my god, it's Guru Stunt! Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one of the, a the funniest things, and B it just embarrassed the crap out of Guru's like, my god, you're an idiot. Did he get his autograph? Uh, no. Hashtag GuruStunts.com. Royce way they chased after him. You've you ever watch candidates flinch in the loading area when we move? No, I haven't, but I can see why they would. Yeah. They they jumped and ran because Ken took off. Um, <clears throat> think about your pattern. Make sure you're looking at your almometer and you know where your windmometers are blowing your breezes from. Yeah. Your first landing back is a jumper, period. Pull back a little bit. Yes. You know, it, it, it's... it's uh, Some cases a joke, in some cases it's not. It doesn't matter to some people, and I'm not going to say right or wrong, but I'm really going to discourage people from putting the biggest turn they know how down on a landing. Right. Uh did you did you watch uh Greg Winmiller's uh canopy stuff on the the PD thing, the no. PD live deal? Uh somebody asked him uh a question about what's those what's those first landings going to be like? A couple of the high performance guys were asking the same sorts of stuff and his amp- answer was similar for everyone and it was take two st- or take one step back to get back what you already have. There's no harm in taking that half a step back just to get yourself fresh. And I'm probably bungling everything he said, but it was essentially this. Yeah. You know, it was take that half a step, take that full step back because it's much easier to get back to where you were than it is to start where you were and get hurt. So at least that's what I took away from it. It's like, yeah, take that half step back. That's sure. something at Greg would say. Half a step, step back. 
And it's something I would completely support, man. If you're just new to uh, 90 degree turns on the final, maybe land in straight on the first jump or two. If you're just starting to play with double fronts, maybe back off of that completely. If you've just adjusted your pattern size, maybe go back to what you've known better. Uh, If you're crushing big turns, maybe you crush a big turn, not your biggest turn. Right. Yeah. So it's just be smart about canopy. Take a step back. One of the stupid things I'm concerned with is we want to avoid crowding in hospitals. And I just don't want to see a bunch of skydivers out there making ourselves look stupid and foolish and bad because Lord knows the skydivers, we know how to embarrass ourselves wholeheartedly. 100%. So like, let's avoid the ERs. Let's, let's stay back partially because we just don't want to give the society or community a black eye, but we also just don't want to make anything harder on anybody. Yeah. Especially yourself. Uh, What have you been jumping with? Should you jump with cameras? Should you jump, go out and jump a space ball on your first jump back? Should you? What should you do? I, I, I would definitely have to have that. I don't know that. That's kind of more of like a I'm going to do thing. a 360 camera on a unicorn mount, smoke bracket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see, a follow cam, and uh, yeah, I need like at least four more Go- GoPros after that, right? Go for it. If it was you telling me that, I'd say go for it, Nick. <laughs> I watched you jump a forty no, pound, a forty pound. What was, or however much it weighed, but forty thousand dollar camera before. Yeah, I did. Do You'd that. probably be fine doing that. But average uh, <laughs> Joe weekend jumper with two hundred and fifty jumps, I'd be like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that on your first jump back. No, I think uh, I really like the phrase "conservative is the new cool." And I think Trent, that all of the people. Trent's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the people who. Uh, most skydivers would look up to are going to give the same advice of, hey, be conservative, don't push it. Let's all sure. just let's get used to jumping out of airplanes again, get used to turning our awareness up in the same way, and then we'll push it at a, at a later date. For sure. One of the things I'm looking forward to is we. I, I've taken winter breaks because I've taken winter breaks. I, I worked up north. I've taken a break because I fucked up my shoulder because I was wrestling with a buddy who like has a black belt and shit and kicked my ass. <laughs> um, and those were all really self-imposed. If I didn't spar with a dude who could kick my ass, if I didn't uh, you know, ch- choose to not jump in the winter, this is one. This is the only time I've not been allowed to jump, right? Right. The longest I've not been allowed to jump besides something I've done to myself. And... I'll enjoy that first jump back as a hop and pop. I'll enjoy that chill two-way skydive where we can just go cruise a little bit. I like skydiving will be so fresh that I don't have to push the hardest to enjoy it the most. So I, I'm looking forward to some of that. That it's taken away from us. Yeah, and, enjoy and it. I have no clue what like the the fun jumper scene is going to look like when we first get back. But uh, uh, for fun jumpers, <laughs> consider keeping your groups smaller. Uh, like two ways, maybe four ways, especially the guys that come out on the weekends doing uh, uh, doing the chuck ways or the pops ways and stuff like that that are used to doing eight and 12 ways every weekends. Maybe scale those groups down a little bit uh, because it's not just uh, not just the canopy awareness part that we have to worry about uh, as much, but free fall awareness a little bit as well. We need to throw that that in there for you know things like break-offs, free fall safety, those kinds of things also. Um, but definitely canopy mo- being important as all. Something and kind of just chasing rabbits. Consider not going out and jumping. And if I don't talk about this now, I'll forget. Um, if you don't, or if you aren't risking currency, if you're not worried about uh, 
something that you're working on, learning on, something that you really need to do to stay current and safe in skydiving, consider not jumping if the drop zones are just open back up. Give those people who need the skydive to stay current, who need this experience to keep it fresh in their brain, give them that opportunity. So I really would encourage the more experienced and more current jumpers to lay back a little bit, not for any fear of any pandemic, but to give those people who need this currency shot. For sure. There are people who are days away from being uncurrent. Right. Um, why should we take away their opportunity? So. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, th- and then that'll hopefully back off and that really piggybacked your size of groups. We don't need big groups out there getting together and pushing it, not because, again, of a pandemic, but just to freshen your skills back up. Right, right. Get sharp again. Enjoy that moment with your friends in the sky. Did you have something, Mr. P? No, I was just uh, I was just listening. Th- I, I was thinking about asking you what your feelings are on the whole pandemic thing, if you, if you think we've overreacted or if you think <coughs> that it's been a, an appropriate reaction. I think it's been a fairly appropriate reaction, just my, my two cents. We didn't have enough information, so I'd rather sit still, hold on, Hold tight. Let's get some more information. As we get more information, we need to explore what's going on. Um, Texas, and I've joked around with my family and friends away from Texas, but Texas is going to go down as one of those states who got it right and opened back up, and I'll talk about what I think is right or wrong about it. Um, and people will forget that, or we're going to f- go down in flames as being the idiots who opened first, <laughs> and they'll remember that for sure. If everybody followed the governor's task force guidelines of 25% occupancy for these next couple weeks, if everybody followed the grouping, the distancing, properly wore masks, and the masks protect transmission from the sick. I think we talked about this maybe last week. I'm not sure if we did or not, but I mean, just because every conversation that I've had with anyone in the last six weeks has, has you. come to this. <laughs> Said something no, I mean, we, well. we've talked a lot, but yeah. I mean, every conversation has included something about the coronavirus. Yeah. But the what the experts are saying about a mask is a mask is not there to protect you from getting sick. It's to protect people who are asymptomatic, don't know that they're sick from spreading it. So you're protecting the world from yourself by wearing the mask. And yeah. when I'm protecting myself and you're protecting yourself, now we're both benefiting. And, I mean, the more time goes on, I think that we'll probably move away from the masks and maybe even discover that the masks aren't as necessary as they might feel right now. I'm, I'm open to that being a possibility. But, again, I would rather be, you know, it's easier to be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. So I'll fucking wear one. And that's exactly what I think it's, A, if we follow the, the guidelines like that and be wearing masks, I don't think masks are necessary. I also don't think they're unnecessary. I don't know. Let's go out. Let's try it. And then after a couple of weeks, maybe we go, okay, that worked. Let's try this. Because if we just ease our way in, we're going to maybe get burnt a little bit, but we can back off quick enough. Um, and if we don't get burnt, man, the hot tub feels good. Let's go for a swim. I, it's it's going to be okay one day. And we're already talking about next winter is going to be worse. And honestly, uh, next winter, COVID-19 is going to be COVID-20, whatever. I don't know what they're going to call it. Um, And we're not going to respond hardly at all, partially because we have a vaccine or uh, whatever or something, but partially because we've had the experience and we know how to react this time. I do think that you will see mask wearing become a bigger part of American culture. For sure. I see more people traveling wearing a mask, you know, maybe more people just take the mask on their regular grocery trips from now on. Probably more people getting groceries delivered than than have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure it'll have a lasting impact. But man, I'm I'm really hopeful that uh, that life returns to 
to what it was before this all went down. And hope, hopefully, hopefully we just still have just, you know, discovered that we've overreacted and that, uh, you know, it's not as crazy as it feels like it could have been. These face masks definitely have to go. Because man, my face ID on my phone don't work. <laughs> <laughs> so so true. I was driving with uh, sunglasses and a mask on. I was like, "Yo, Siri, get with the fucking program. Don't you remember me?" Yeah. Don't oh you yeah. Know me, bitch. That's, how, that's how you know Apple wasn't in on this. If this is a scandal originated in China, they didn't tell Apple. They didn't plan for that shit. It, it's uh, this was designed in a lab in Wuhan. True or false? Uh, no. I have no comment. <laughs> I, I, I have, don't know. I have no clue is my first answer, and yeah, I don't I'm, think it was. I'm an I, idiot, I but that's why it's so fun to speculate. I don't Because I, yeah. I don't have to base what I believe on fact. You just make it up. Yeah. I think it's some random mutation of some virus and something evolved because, you know, shit evolves a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I if, if you're a Christian and believe in creation, you still can't deny things evolve a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, evolution is something that happens, and yeah, man, it's a virus that just was somewhere somehow and eventually got to us because we have changed, it has changed, and I mean, COVID's been around for years. It's just a mutated version of COVID. Yeah. So, hence the 19. Somehow it got here. Yeah. Um, Back to jumping, man. Not, well, hold on. Was it 19, like 2019? Isn't that why it's 19? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Back to skydiving. So, back to skydiving. <laughs> um, Really just take that smart approach of numbers, again, not for COVID, not for anything else, but take that approach. And, and back to the beginning, this this conversation is not just meant for COVID-19. It's meant you've taken some time off. Yeah. Go do a handful of two-ways with your homies. Yeah. It's it's not enough people value two-ways as much as Nick does, as the way other people do. Man, two-ways are some of my absolute favorite jumps because it's about sharing an experience. And there's a selfish thing where I can share only with a person or only with somebody. So back off there just a little bit, man. Uh, Instructors, those are the last people we really want to keep current. So first of all, technical currency, uh, Chris. Technical currency for for coaches, AFF instructors, and so on. Keep your rating current. Uh, So uh, do your USPA renewal and your rating renewal at the same time. Uh, I think what in the past year I've had to do two uh, rating renewals or rating recurrencies rather because people filled out their membership renewal but forgot to fill in the block for their rating renewal. So make sure that's all filled in. Then also, uh, you know, you need your examiner signature to get that signed off. So depending on the rating, make sure you have the required number of jumps uh, uh, that apply towards your rating, uh, rating renewal seminars, uh, all those other things. And Whatnot. That information can be found in the IRM. Man, yeah, d- simply just make sure your ratings are current. Yeah. Uh, there is, a lot of people still don't realize this, but you can renew ratings online. I forgot about that, yeah. So as an examiner or a safety and training advisor or a member of the board, the board members know this very well, um, you can sign into your USPA membership uh, and your credentials on, on USPA.org. And there's actually, when you go to the membership database, uh, examiner, you can look at yep. members, uh, there is a tab that says verify a rating renewal for a member. Yes. You click on that. It's it's very clunky on a PC because you got to sign with a mouse. Um, when it first came out, it, it is much better now before I do this. It, I, I do like it now. I, I'm, it's much more more user friendly. When it first came out, man, it was horrible. Right. Like I did a couple of them. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to keep signing paper and scanning it. It is actually easier. Yeah. 
and the folks at USPA are very receptive. Jen Sharp is the director of IT. She is a pretty smart person with computers, and uh, they all take input really well. And what don't you like about it? What makes it difficult? And it's very user-friendly, um, and it's not done. They're going to make it better. Yeah. would be nice to not have to, like, verify one piece every time. But There's some reason, some logic, and in, in, uh, Ron Bell was in town recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He, him and I talked a bit about that. Uh, a, while he was in town, but him and I talk every so often, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the reasons and logic. I'm just being lazy because I don't like I have to keep going through and refreshing. Oh, no, totally pain in the ass, man. <laughs> I don't like it at all. That's one of my complaints. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I'm lazy. I want to go like, I am going to verify this, this, and this, and I don't have the credentials for that, so I can verify these three, sign, done. All right, boom, and it's updated. And then tell the member, hey, make sure you get this other requirement completed and show me proof of it or something. Yeah, that... Uh, I've heard rumors that they've got ways to make the signature block easier, mm-hmm. and I look forward to them getting that done because that signature block. Speaking of which, would you like to go online and verify my rating for me? No. Dang it. No. Man. I at least had to ask because I, 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 there's only two people that can sign mine. Um, you actually might be getting a new rating coming sometime soon. <laughs> if we ever get <laughs> off of this. So actually, I want to go back to currency. When's the last time you skydived? And that's a question that you might get asked about what you need to do for a recurrency jump. We've talked a little bit about some numbers. Right. Uh, Some of you are not going to have that record, and it's going to be more challenging depending the DC you're at. But how important are keeping accurate logbooks, Chris? Oh, my God. If you don't keep an accurate logbook right (laughs) now, go back and start updating it now. Because if you ever have any (laughs) hope... Of earning a rating, especially if I'm the one verifying your logbook, believe me, if it's not up to date and it doesn't have all the required information, which can be found in your Skydive's information, information manual for what's required logbook entry, I will not count that logbook entry. I promise you, it sucks when you're trying to fill out a rating application and you find out you're six or eight jumps shy of the requirement. All so please, please fill out your logbook and accurately fill out your logbook. Accurately fill out your logbooks. Yeah. It's something that's interesting because pencil whipping is a word that <sighs> evolves in our industry that exists in our sport. Uh, pencil whipping, people just signing things that don't exist that are untrue. Um, and log or license applications got pencil whipped for years where people just signed things, never had you do anything, and that was the norm. And it still is not uncommon in some places, but the norm has turned more and more into you have to prove to me in writing, in logbooks. There have been situations that the FAA has been involved for investigations for demos. Uh, you have the cup. Yep, you got it, man. Um, the, the FAA got involved in investigations with demos, so they had to prove li- logbook entries, stuff like that. So USPA has really come down wanting our validation of logbooks, and you're part of that new generation. Um, because I didn't have to show logbooks the way you did. Yeah. You, Chris is, God, how's the half an inch thick stack of paper? Uh, yeah. And then what, how many, log, I think I had eight logbooks out that we went, what, that we went through. And then, yeah, at least a half inch thick stack of paper plus copies of the logbooks and all the other things that I need to send in for an examiner packet. And yeah, I can't remember anymore if it was six or eight. I do have to go back and recount just to make sure that I, get that number as accurately as possible because, man, it, it, it sucks not being able to submit that paperwork right I'll tell you, when we submit that paperwork after COVID-19, you better have it all in order. 
I just want to butt in here. When you guys started this conversation, yeah. I logged on to uh, USPA.org and started renewing my membership. And I'm done. I started my stopwatch. It took less than four minutes. And the website's running real slow. Dude. So, so that's how long it takes. So if you show up without a current USPA, uh, you got no excuse. Four minutes. Four minutes when it's running slow, that's still pretty easy. It's super quick. It's super easy. Yeah. We regularly do uh, like a tandem instructor recurrency or AFF instructor recurrency. At the end, we'll go to the desk in the back of the classroom and have them renew their rating there now. I've done that a few times. Right. And it's so quick. It's so easy. Yep. Thankfully, we live in an adapt age. I want to I want to stray away for a second because I'm super curious about a conversation we've had for years in examiner world and we need to do a standardization meeting. Every 2 years as an examiner, we go to a meeting where we make sure we're all on the same page doing all the right things and all the best things. Right. Um that we all understand any evolution of what we do. And I believe in these meetings. I hate these meetings. I believe in them. Um, they're great meetings. I, I, I prefer them. I go to them. I, I, I interact. I speak up. Um, but it's you get the same about three to four guys just beating dead horses over and over again. And then the rest <laughs> of the group is, is well worth it. So yeah. um, we've talked for years about having these standardization meetings potentially available on online interactions, on online chats. Um, man, Chris, have you had any experience with doing like any teleconferencing any any of the zoom meetings any things like that besides uh, with us besides with uh you guys here no but i do know that it was very easy to uh get lost in the chatter there were several times even like a couple of the different testings we had done between uh facebook lot uh, or the facebook messenger one and then google meets uh zoom uh in a couple of different cases uh it gets very easy to talk over somebody in the middle of a sentence and then everything just gets jarbled very, very quickly. So I don't see that working out so well via like web conference or uh, even through like a chat, uh, chat messenger kind of app because with, from what I remember, there were, uh, I don't know, hundred and some odd change examiners in that one room. And we went around on a circular logic train for an hour or longer on some different topics. So I, I I don't know about the web conferencing thing. I, I'm not sure. We've done uh, Gravity Lab Radio through remote. We've actually done some Skype Zoom meetings in GLR. Yep. And I've been against them as far as our preferred format. We've had several people request several guests. I'm like, hey, I would love to have that guest. I've actually had several guests reach out to me and say, I'd love to be on the show. I'm like, cool. We only do this in person. Um, I really firmly believe the dynamic is different with people in person. Right. And after doing, what do we do, Nick? Three? I think we did three. Maybe f- maybe a fourth one with just me and you that was that spontaneous because I, I called you on Skype oh. while I saw you going solo. <laughs> that was so awesome, man. But, that was so fucking great. But yeah, just a, just a few. Um, And those have actually gotten me sold on not doing remote GLRs. Yeah, I think if you, if you have to, because the world says you're not allowed to go outside or see your friends... Yeah, it was a good. It was good to fill in with that, but the the delay, even though it's only slight, is can be really irritating. Right. And then just the, I think the ability to feel comfortable and like you're hanging out bullshitting with your friends. I think that it's important to be hanging out with your friends. For sure. I felt very disconnected at times. It's very easy to zone out in a conversation in any conference room or any room of hangouts. But uh, when we were doing those remote calls, it was much easier uh, to get lost and disconnected. What you looking for, yo? I'm going to see what there is to drink in that fridge. Just some waters and beers. 
nothing fancy as far as Zevia or anything. So you can take it. Um, unless you put something in there. Uh, crap, man. So, yeah, I don't know. A- after doing different meetings this way and, and dealing with different things, I've had to have a few different calls. Um, I am more sold that it's not the right answer for examiners. Yeah, and, and I could also see with something, uh, uh, just something that big going on with that many people, it's it's if too many people started trying to contribute to that conversation too quickly and too much, and then like you said, that, that light little bit of delay where somebody thinks they have an opening to uh, interject or add something, they might have just cut off a very important point that you know, now you can never get that time back. And that's only just going to create yeah. even more and more hiccups in the system, especially when you're talking about the field and the, the amount of examiners that we have. I mean, just in, the, uh, in that general examiner meeting, I think there were over 200 people yeah. uh, on the general portion during the examiner. I want to, uh, I'll throw a little devil's advocate into this uh, because what you said is solvable. Um, and simply, there's a moderator, not the presenter, the moderator has everybody muted. The moderator has nobody who can be heard. You can actually control who can and can't be heard. Um, and then from there, everybody must ch- uh, type in or chat in who wants to be addressed. Right. And then the speaker addresses them via the moderator. Um, so it's very controllable. But even at that level of control, man, it was so easy. Nick did a lot of the driving of the conversation for our Keep Your Ass at Home editions. Uh, as I drove the boards, it's, it's it's a little bit busier back there than I realize sometimes. Right. Um, man, the best thing that's going to happen to Justin and fucking Nick is I went out and bought a $150 streaming deck because I had to do that job. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this easier. <laughs> I didn't know what a streaming deck was until he showed me a, a picture of it. I still don't know what a it's streaming a deck is. It's a little nerd box, and you push a button, and it shows you a particular screen based on the button you pushed. It's a nerd yeah. box. It's I like this. That's oh, easy. man. It'll be so nice, though. <laughs> I, it's a, I think we have seven different scenes for Gravity Lab. No, uh, LB Live. Nice. So it just it, it's very usable on the keyboard we have, but this takes a couple of the little itty bitty bugs. It just makes Nick and Justin's lives easier and mine. Okay. Um, but man, I'm. Uh, it was so easy to get disconnected from the conversation right. when you weren't there. Right, and and then I could also see like uh, just me being me being me. I could see myself like, okay, cool. That's something that I don't care about. I'm gonna get over here on my phone on Facebook and dilly-dally and do this and oh i've got a couple other things i could be doing around the house i got a couple other things i could be doing and then you know not paying attention to the thing that i actually need to be paying attention to so i mean the 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 in-person meetings anyway for me i if i had the option i'd still go to the in-person one because that's going to guarantee that i'm going to be focused and paying attention to that there's value in eye contact for sure and if you've ever been excuse me if you've ever been in the classroom with me if you even give me a chance, I will make eye contact with you regularly. If I'm in a room speaking to 50 people, I will have made eye contact with 48 of them because two of them refuse to make eye contact. And that's <laughs> I'm not going to force it on them, but because I genuinely want to speak and communicate with those people. Sure. And even as you and I have sat here and Nick, we, we look away as we form our thoughts and get our ideas, but we always go back to each other's eyes. And I felt so disconnected speaking to Nick or to to... Melissa Nelson on on the uh, camera because I'm either looking at them or I'm looking or looking at the camera. You know, Melissa did really well, oh, and I think gosh. that it's, part of it has to do with. I mean, she's a great speaker. She's used to that. She's great at. Uh, you know, I'm sure her marketing background helps her in the way that she presents information. But she's a yoga teacher who's super current on teaching yoga classes through Zoom, so she's already used to addressing groups of people through mm-hmm. Zoom. 
And, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, when I'm talking to you on my screen, when we're doing, you know, FaceTime or the Zoom conference, I look at your little face on the screen, and that's what I'm talking to. But I think she was even looking at the camera yeah. on, on her phone, so it felt like she was talking to me. And I just couldn't seem to do that. I couldn't get comfortable staring at the lens and pretending like it was a person. I had the same problem as you. For I, I had the other problem, as you know, I had four monitors in front of me, and <laughs> you were, you guys were on three different, my, my phone... Skype and then OBS, so I never knew where to look. So, so it, correct me if I'm wrong. She's also done several like you know big up stage or up on stage like keynote type speeches as well. Am I thinking of the right TED little, Talk? Little yeah, yeah. Okay, she's done Toastmasters, which Toastmasters is is a spo- is a social speaking okay. club. Yeah, so so no, she's got a lot of speaking but, experience. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't surprise me that she would handle that very well though. Dude, one of my favorite Melissa Nelson stories, Melissa Nelson Lowe, uh, Missy. Old school is we were at PIA this last year that Nick was just there and some dude walked up to me and said, hey, man, are you DJ? I'm like, I'm DJ, man. DJ Marvin. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Oh, my name is whoever, blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, you have Gravity Lab Radio. I'm like, yeah, actually, I do, man. I was down in Houston. Dude, man, uh, I've never heard it. I actually asked him, how did you hear about the show? How did you come across? It's like, I've actually never heard it. Um, I was just talking to Melissa Nelson the other day and she said, I have to listen to your show and check you out. And I'm like, I've never met Melissa Nelson at this point yet. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, she recommended our show. You got a shout out. Yeah. Yes. And when we met at PIA the next day, her and I had a great interaction. And the only thing shout I don't out. like about her show the other day is uh, she wasn't here in person. <laughs> she, I, I can't wait to have her here in person. Yeah. It'll be a fun conversation. It'll be a fun hangout. So she was a lot of fun. I don't think I, I didn't get to meet her at PIA. <laughs> she gets around. She's, she's active. She's busy. They keep her oh, moving. Sure. Yeah. Are you going to try to go to the next PAA Cincinnati? No. No? <laughs> it is expensive. Too cold. Too cold. You know, you don't spend much time outside. Too cold. <laughs> um, I, I've, I spent time in Cincinnati, so <laughs> I'm excited because uh, SSK is a manufacturer that I've known for a little while now. Yep. Uh, the crew there is super cool. Adam, the owner. Uh, Eric Campbell, you... Nick, you've never met Eric Campbell, I don't think. No, I've emailed him with a couple, emailed okay. with him a couple times, but yeah. I don't believe I met him in person. Super, dude, you'll enjoy him. You Super know, I may have dude. met him actually. Balder guy, just a little bit heavy set, kind of like. I may have met him at PIA real yeah. briefly while I was over there chatting yeah. with Adam. He was probably wearing an LB hat because he hit me up through some stupid LB thing and said, "Hey, bro, can you bring me a hat?" And I brought him six hats at PIA. Because you're wore, a goddamn gentleman. He wore a different hat like three days in a row. He loved it, man. Super good, dude. Um, uh, Speaking of LB hats, sh- hey, that one's not going on sale on the website. Oh. We're only doing the black Darn. and the camo. So and the grays. Am I wearing the gray? No, you're wearing the Gravity Lab hat, okay. the camo Gravity Lab yeah, yeah, trucker man. hat. Yeah, uh, dude, super excited. Nick, we're just gonna take pictures soon. We're not gonna wait for everybody to send us pictures. That's fine. I'll find my most attractive friends, um, which means I'm probably gonna have to hire some. Models. People, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got at least one or two laying around somewhere. Blake. <laughs> Dude, he is a great hat model. Dude, yeah. Did, uh, I may have told you I have a friend back home in Utah that owns a hat company. It's called Shuey. You've probably seen me wear a couple of their hats. Well, Blake I, Blake really fell in love with one of the hats they sent me. It's like the bucket style hat, mm-hmm. like the little fisherman's kind of hat that he wears a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. And I made him pose for some photos in that hat and exchange to keep the hat and man he fucking nailed it nice. and in the in the anchorman yes. joke video that we just made he looked oh he's wearing the hat and, and 
half of those scenes. That yeah, that as soon video as you was s- hilarious. But he looks great in those LB hats. I, I'm sold. You're I'm, when you said it, I pictured that video immediately, mm-hmm. and I'm absolutely sold. You two need to shoot the shit. Did, while I hold go on. Piss. Did you see the picture that I that I photoshopped of him? Yes. The dude, he's At wearing he's wearing an LB hat in the uh, in the Ron Burgundy Photoshop uh, picture. That's beautiful. I gotta go pee. Okay. All right, Mr. Chris. So tell me, um, we we already discussed your hop and pop back. Yeah, I'm com- I'm doing a hop and pop. Okay, what's next? What's after hop and pop for you? Um, probably more hop and pops. Okay, so <laughs> let's just no. let's just pretend just, that I'm a person who doesn't also love hop and pops. Try and talk me into one. What do you love? What do you love about a hop and pop? Um, well, l- l- let me actually change that. That that what's next is. I mean a hop and pop, but probably from higher altitudes. High so poles, okay. Probably go do a high pole. Okay, sell me on a high pole. Okay, so that this is this is legitimate because I've only done a handful of high poles. Okay. So as someone who loves flying their parachute, talk me into doing a high pole. What are you going to say? Okay. Well, the first question I would generally have is what's our what, what's your wing loading? Because on a high pole, the the stack is going to be a little bit different on exit. We're not going to send out the highest wing loading first. We're probably going to send the lighter wing loading out first. That way, it might take because it might take you a little bit longer to get your housekeeping done. But the guy with the higher wing loading. When you say housekeeping, you mean clasp my slider, get it off, get it yeah. behind my head, get get situated in the harness, and lose my chest strap. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Get your toggles on stowed as quickly as possible, and get that can- canopy flying as fast as you can, uh, as soon as possible as well, because the guy with the higher wing loading is going to want to get down there and get to you, and he's going to be the one that has all the range, right? And then at some point, when you match, or when the uh, guy with the highest wing loading is able to match speed, he can now set a base for you. And then you can go do whatever you want and really see what your canopy is doing relative to another canopy or another wing. So when I pull on the fronts, how much did my forward speed increase? How much did my descent rating increase? When I get on my rears, how much did I change relative to that canopy that's flying in that straight line? And that's something that uh, somebody with not a lot of high poles doesn't get to see very often is the relative behavior next to other canopies. What sort of canopy do you like to use for, for a base? Um, like someone who's just going to set the pace? Who, who's who's that person for you most of the time? That person for me. Um, or is it a, someone with a, sim, with a certain wing loading or on a certain wing? Around a similar wing loading on a similar wing. Oh, similar so, wing loading and similar wing as to what you're flying. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. That, I, that, that's what I like. I imagine someone with a little bit bigger parachute, a little oh, bit slower. Then for sure. Movement. But I mean, I'm just I'm just imagining because, again, I, I have very limited experience with high poles. Then I might go hook up my 82 uh, instead of my 71. Uh, like, say I wanted to go fly with somebody that's, say, Flying a 150 loaded at 14. Uh, I I can fly circles around that canopy on that 82 chaos, no problem. Um, matching forward speed, descent rate, everything on that on that wing, uh, and it's fun. It's so much fun to do. It sounds like a lot of fun. I just don't know why I don't have the desire to do high pulls. I don't know if it's that I have a fear of losing a canopy or that uh, you know I don't that, I don't know what it is. That's a legitimate fear. For sure. Um, uh, in fact, uh, you know, I've started getting into XRW a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I wear that much lead, that is the most terrifying thing is when something goes wrong, I'm probably chopping that canopy. Yeah, that's going to go and real. Then, how much weight are you wearing? Uh, 40 yeah. pounds. 40 pounds of weight. Yeah. And then I've even gotten, uh, like I've even modified that emergency procedure to include my decision altitude on that jump particular, in particular being much higher than my normal decision altitude. Nice one. Uh, than my normal decision altitude to account for 
I am probably going to be stripping the lead or whatever weight that I have off because number one, I don't want to land my 126 reserve. I don't remember what that I calculated that wing loading at. Anyway, I don't want to land it at that high of a wing loading. And then typically on your XRW jump, you're out pretty far away from the drop zone. So I may have to deal with some landing hazards. And I don't really want to be lucking an extra 40 pounds around <laughs> when I do that. So, uh, Gosh, that's a big so, decision so to let go of 40 I, pounds of lead. Well, I mean, I, I don't necessarily let it go you know, that up that high, but I have it stripped to the point where, okay, I can you know, cross my ankles, bring my knees up, but I can pull the belt out completely. And then when I have a decent place to land, say, you know, three, 400 feet or something, or when it's, hey, I'm definitely landing in trees and there's no danger of me dropping this lead on anybody, I can let it all go. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't, again, so like decision altitude for that's like much higher. So. What do you like about free fall? Because it seems like everything we've talked about so far is, is canopy related for you. Dive flow four is my favorite thing about free fall. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so, so for someone who doesn't know what a dive flow for is, tell me what is a dive flow for? So category D, that's the first time a student, technically anyway, is supposed to ever see their instructor instructor out in front of them. So is this the first planned release dive or is this the first planned release dive where you actually face off with a student? This is the first time, uh, yeah, no, this is their second planned release dive. Okay. So it's the first time that they see their instructor. Okay, in gotcha. Whether, whether the student turns towards the instructor or whether the instructor moves in front of the student, mm-hmm. this is the first time they see somebody else out in front of them in free fall. And, and I do mean that because, you know, your typical tandem passenger, well, they've got their instructor on them. They don't get to see their instructor, mm-hmm. but they might see their video guy out in front of them. Well, an AFF student doesn't have anybody strapped to them. There's no safety net. They are literally flying on their own. And when you see that sparkle in their eyes... When they go, oh man, we're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing the thing. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty magical moment. Um, I live vicariously through my students. Uh, Do you have goals about what you want to uh, work on in free fall? Like, let's say you know you want to be your dream version of of yourself as a skydiver. What what do you want to get better at? Uh, I would love to fun jump more. Uh, last year, I, I set a goal of doing 300 fun jumps in the year i fell a little bit short you know just due to you know different reasons but i think i did 240 something so i, I got close but fell a little bit short uh, I'd, I'd like to fun jump more i'd definitely like to get on my feet and learn how to free fly again mm-hmm. uh, like uh last year i think i did two or three jumps with nicole black and uh it was hilarious to watch those videos um but yeah, and that, and I think those first couple of jumps doing that with her, that was the first time in, oh, I don't know, 1,500 jumps or so that I had been in any or other orientation other than belly on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and how did, it, how did it feel? How did those skills come back? Uh, it, it, it was hard. It was difficult. Dude, upright flying, I, I think, is the hardest kind of flying. Yeah. Like uh, back flying, I feel like I've uh, gotten pretty decent at head down flying. Uh, head down flying and belly flying, I would say, are the most similar as far as what you learn in the tunnel being practical in the sky. Sure. Because the, the surfaces that you're flying are, are pretty much the same. But when you get to back flying and especially sit flying where, yeah. you know, you're using your back so much when you're learning how to sit fly in the, in the tunnel. Right. Is uh, vastly different. 
and I just haven't spent enough time really committed to uh, to upright flying in the in the sky, just building formations and, and stuff like that. So, uh, man, any I can really appreciate anyone who says that they're struggling to fly on their feet. I I get it. Yeah, it's uh, it it I, I at one point back. So I'm watching the dive flow four video just for if anyone is wondering what I'm showing up here on screen. This is what you said your fir- your va- your favorite skydive is. Yeah, is that moment when a when it, the student's supposed to turn towards you? Is that how it goes? Uh, I think that's how it is in the video. There's a couple of different ways it goes. It, you the instructor moves in front of the student, or the student turns towards the instructor. Sorry, I interrupted your answer. Uh, we were talking about upright flying. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This the. That first moment when they see somebody that is not attached to them in front of them flying, like that's doesn't, you know, whichever <laughs> way that turn happens, I, I don't care. It's just just, just the mind blow though is what you're into. Yeah, DJ, same question. Favorite moment in free fall because we've been talking a lot about canopy stuff. What's my absolute favorite moment in free fall? Like one time event or just in general? What do you like about free fall? I guess that's what I'm asking. <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> and I, I mean that like there's nothing else free. It, it's that there's nothing else out there. It is I'm isolated. I'm alone. Even if I'm with people, it's just there's no cares. There's no problems. Ultimate freedom. There's nothing holding us back, man. I love being in the sky. My favorite absolute part of skydiving. The thing I miss the most. My I love flying a parachute. That that is probably my favorite part. Out beyond that, leaving an airplane. Is such an asinine thought process. If you were just told a dude just leaped out of an airplane to skydive, you know, man, I love that exit moment. I love stepping off the plane, feeling the plane go away, feeling the wind take your body. And if you let it fly and you fly it, letting you take it where it will and you going with it, man. Isn't it so crazy, man? When you start to think about it really objectively, of like, man, these people. They're going to get in this little metal tube. They're going to go way up into yeah. the sky, mm-hmm. and they're going to jump out and fall back towards the planet and then throw out these little balls of nylon, and then they fly those little balls of nylon back to the back to the ground. They're going to huck line of material into That's the land insane, at 120 miles an dude. hour. That is so insane, That's and it is the best thing in the world. <laughs> Just hop out of an airplane. Mm-hmm. Man, it's... That threshold. I've been looking at a lot. I, it's I think like a lot of us. I miss skydiving, so I've been looking through social media photos and things that make me miss skydiving. And ultimately, the picture that gets me the most is anybody sitting by the open door. My, <laughs> well, we've talked about this on the show. One of my absolute favorite places in the world is by the door. I love sitting by the open door. I love uh, it, it's the view into everything. It's just such a serene and calm place for me to be partially because it's the most exciting place for me to be here in a moment. Yeah. So I, I, that that's a shit I miss, man. And, of course, you know me. You come for the skydives. You stay for the skydivers. I actually miss the people. Um, you know, we talked about I'm not a hugger. I'm, I'm, and generally, I, I just am not. I, I don't need very close physical interaction with people. I don't need to be too close to you. But how much I've missed people Actually, recently, Nick was leaving. I was like, fuck it. Just grabbed him, gave him a quick hug because I missed that genuine embrace of a friend. Yeah. And so I'm curious to how much when we get back to it, how how we all adjust to what the, there will be a new norm. Oh, for sure. It might not be a new social norm, but everybody's going to have some adjusted outlook and outtake in life. Are you going to care more, care less, be more timid, be more brave, be more bold, be more? It doesn't matter. 
Everybody's gonna have their thing, and I'm I'm really curious to see how. Uh, I man, does this do I come back and actually want to hug people more, or do I come back and want to hug people less? I think open mouth between open mouth kissing between friends <laughs> is really gonna take off. I I am gonna offer everyone a high five, and if they give it back, sweet. If they don't give it back, fine. I uh, man, I was talking with somebody recently, uh, one of Braden's friends, and talk about. Oh, I know Adam. Like, do you know Adam? Like, oh yeah, we've only kissed a few times. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, yep, you're definitely one of Adam's friends then." <laughs> so, yeah, that's when it gets weird. I am a germaphobe, but I will kiss a man. Yeah, well, something sexy about kissing a dude, I guess. Dude, you know, if I go kiss Lori Padaloco, <laughs> my wife might punch me. I go kiss oh, yeah, you, I guess she'll laugh. Yeah, you get you get away with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I hit on you. It's a joke. I hit on Lori. It's sexual harassment. Yeah, I don't get it. It's a whole new world, <laughs> man. I, I, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I've definitely grabbed more. Uh, Male crotches than females by a long <laughs> shot. Oh, man. Could you imagine golly. if we lived in the proper corporate America and HR? Because oh, dude, we would be so fired so fast. If <sighs> HR ever takes hold in skydiving, dude, we are all out of a job in the first day, yeah. first for sure hour. Dude, Ry- Riley <laughs> uh, was swinging through. Riley Marshall was swinging through on her way to UPT, and she stopped by and hung out in a classroom with me for half a day and walked down the field with me. And she's like, "Oh my god." There's a reason you don't work corporate America. You are the furthest thing from PC. I'm like, ah, no, I could be really good at it, and I have been. It's the reason I choose this sport. I don't have to shave. I'm dressed for work right now. I dressed, I put on a skydiving t-shirt this morning. That's what dictates it was work. Nick, you're not dressed for work because you don't have a logo on. This is work. (laughs) I am wearing work clothes right now. Literally. Yeah. It's a pretty. It's a pretty good life for the most part. It, it man, it's it's such a great passion lifestyle, and I am scared. Uh, actually, what's going to happen to our lifestyle if this holds on too long? If the economy tanks, um, I know skydiving won't go away. I know we'll stick it through. I know we'll be okay in the long run. Yeah. But ultimately, some of my friends are going to stop skydiving because of this, uh, just because they took a break and it was long enough a break that they're going to not come back as often. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends are going to stop working in the sport because financially that's what they had to do. And that's that's what I'm the most afraid of. This is, is watching those friends pass along, which I, I'm not that afraid because how many people have you seen come and go in your time here? A lot. It's a yeah. big number. And, and in, it's any drop zone, man. People will talk about this drop zone, that drop zone better. What, no, the vast majority of drop zones. We're vagabonds. We're travelers. We're gypsies. That's what skydivers are. Yeah, I, I started skydiving in space on seven years ago, and there are very few people that are still on that drop zone. You're that, old school here. That Yeah, that's such a weird thing to say. And Nick's even older school than I am. Yeah. And you're and even, you're even older than both of us. Yeah. And old, no, and more old school, but mostly older. <laughs> I, I need a haircut, speaking of receding hair. Dude, line. I need a haircut so goddamn badly, and I'm going bald. Dude, it's falling out. Dude, first of all... You got some catching up to do in this crowd, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go fuck I'm yourself. on my way. <laughs> I've been giving myself a haircut for years. So all this, like, i got to cut my own hair. Eat I don't know what to do. your heart out, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel better. Are you going bald for real? I can't tell. It's definitely, it's definitely receding a little bit. Hat off and give me a bow. I want to see the back. I want to see the crown. The back? It just, just oh, it's so weird let me see the crown. This part. Wait, hang on. Sorry, i got to share with the world. You aren't that bad. Ah, that ain't nothing. You're fine. How old are you now? 33? 34. 34? Yeah. You'd be okay. <laughs> You'll be okay. You're not going to be one of us. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might get some thinning, but... 12 years ago. No, 13 years. 
whatever. When I was 19, 20 years old, that's when I started. Really? That's when this. it started? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What impressive. I'm stoked about is I'm, what, 10, 12 years older than you? Yeah. And I'm worse than you. Yeah. I love you, Chris. Love you long time. Hey, so just so we can start to move back to the currency conversation, uh, Marcy asked a good question that I don't know an answer to. Are there any USPA accepted digital logbooks that you guys know of? Uh, straight up, any of them. Chris? I was going to say as long as they report all of the required information per a logbook entry. And you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and look that up for what it actually says in there because I know somebody's going to ask what's the required information. I so was about to ask Don't that. look up. Uh, you look look up in that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but go ahead and grab it. The For years, the SIM has always said it has to have this information, date, location, equipment, free fall delay, blah, blah. Chris will give us that list. USPA has never, ever, ever dictated what format it is in. It does say it needs a signature. That signature can be digital. It has never said it can't be digital for many years. And in the very recent year, maybe year and a half, USPA made it clear and made an amendment to the SIM and IRM. That one is out of date, so it might not say digital logbooks are acceptable. It's actually in writing now. It used to never be there at all. I think that one's out of date because my in-date seminar IRM are at the office. I yeah. keep my last year versions here at home office. So, uh, five four maybe. No, three one. Three one. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anybody that wants to actually look at it themselves on the website, it's uh, section three one uh, C logging jumps for yeah, licenses Kevin. and ratings. Uh, so I'm gonna skip the sub A and sub B and just go straight to and or excuse me, go straight into sub sub B. Legibly recorded in chronological order in an appropriate log that contains the following information: jump number, date, location, exit altitude, free fall length, uh, as in seconds of time, <clears throat> type of jump. So what kind of formation skydiving were you doing? Uh, canopy, whatever. What, what kind of jump you, did you do? Can you tell me what section that was? Is it 3-1? 3-1, letter C. Okay, sorry, I'm just trying yeah. to post a link for... Uh, okay, I got you. I'm on the same same list. Oh, perfect. All right, uh, what did I leave off on? Oh, type of jump, distance to target, equipment use, and verifying signature. So that's what you need. And it must have all of those things to be a valid logbook entry. Jump log, date, location, exit altitude, free, falling, type of jump, landing distance from target, equipment used, verifying signature. Yep. Boom. Boom. There Has you have a world. Must include all of those things. So, yeah. So, uh, back to, uh, I know this goes way back. When I was saying keep accurate logbooks, by accurate, I mean free fall time, total time, all of those things, they are required for a valid logbook entry. Guess what? I'm going to verify if you show up for a coach rating. Logbook entry. Uh, the, so I have the newer SIM right here on my phone. Uh, use of digital device. Sorry, I got to adjust my glasses here. Use of divi- uh, digital devices for logging skydives. Uh, many skydivers use digital devices to log instead of traditional paper logbooks. Any jump logged in a digital device must contain the required information, including a signature verification from a licensed skydiver, the pilot, or a USPA judge who witnessed a skydive. Um, yeah, it, it says right there. So there are a lot of different processes. Uh, right now, I'm actually working with a dude, a guy named uh, Danny Gomez out of uh, Spain. Danny has created one of many different digital logbooks on there designed to hook up to LB Pro Tracks and LB uh, Alti Tracks. Mm. And I'm screwing with that software, except for uh, 
I, I my cable's broken. Uh, anyways, uh, I anybody have um extra micro USB cable? I might need one. Um, the uh, uh, I can actually use that program, import it to my phone, have somebody sign my phone, and I have all the required yep. information. It is absolutely. I've always recognized it that way. I've always taken it that way because USPA never said digital is not acceptable. They said information. They didn't say format. Right. And now digital is a covered format. So Marcy, super great question. Thank you for asking that. People need to hear and know that digital is openly and statedly acceptable. Yep. And now they know where to find it. I'm fucking old and I'll take digital. Come on, people. Get with it. How you doing? I was just about to say, like, Nick Nick was uh, uh, pointing out how long it took to do his rating renewal requirements on there. It took him about four minutes. I think it took you, like, about ten seconds longer than it took me to find it in the hard copy book. So it doesn't take long to actually just look these things up. It really is easy. The PDF yeah. is searchable. I want to go super easy. before we get out of time and before we run too sh- uh, far uh, back to instructor currency. And the one we're back to is tandem instructors. Tandem instructors are a little bit of a unique breed. And I say unique breed. Um, this makes sense. Uh, but AFF and coaches and static line, you have to do so many jumps in the last year. Um, it doesn't matter how many you did. Like, hey, man, I did my 20 jumps for currency 12, 11 months ago. Oh. Why can still sign your renewal? UPT tandems, which is almost everybody, Sigma, Vector Tandem uh, Systems. UPT, if you have not jumped in the last 90 days, if you've not done a tandem in the last 90 days, you actually have to go do a solo, or excuse me, you have to go take an experience jump around the tandem system. If you've not done a tandem in over 180 days, then you have to go do a solo on the rig, go get used to the equipment again, and then you have to go take a licensed jumper. Licensed jumper qualified by UPT, somebody with 100 skydives. So if you haven't done a tandem in the last 90 days, go take an experienced jumper. This is something that is controversial. It is very clear. It's been clearly stated by USPA and UPT recently. You can self-supervise that type of recurrency. If you are not current as an experienced tandem instructor and it's been less than 180 days, and all you have to do is actually jump with 100 Jump Wonder, you can self-supervise. Now, drop zone policies vary and change. Some drop zones won't let you jump their gear without going through their processes, through their examiners, through their schools, and that is understandable because, honestly, there are a lot of great examiners, and there's a, a good handful and a lot less than there used to be trash examiners, and we just never know. Also... Are you really up to speed on your knowledge and on your skill set as you should be? Um, Spaceland does ask anybody to do jumps here that they go through the rating center uh, to get their currency just because that we don't know them. We don't know what they've gone through. And I've never had one person go through our recurrency with us and complain. They've always been like, oh, my God, you, you made me think about that differently. Yeah. So no matter where you go, I, I'm probably stealing your thunder, but no matter where you go, like rehearse those tandem EPs as well because I've read through those a couple of times trying to study for a tandem rating and that stuff's tough. One of my favorite jokes about tandems is you've got two, uh, 50 pounds of gear, 200 pounds of dumb strapped to the front of you, a pilot shoot in tow, and six handles. What could go wrong? I have no clue. That is, that's really the statement though because all of those components make a big difference and the order you pull those handles in change dramatically if things change. Don't go right. Yeah. So yeah. there, it, it's the the chart of emergency procedures for sport jumps fits on 
half of a piece of paper, eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. Yeah. The chart for tandems is three full pe- pieces of paper. So it's a very diverse tree. Um, real quick recap there, because I want to talk about one other group of tandem instructors. I'm only speaking for Sigma UPT. They are a large share of the, of the market. So uh, UPT will say about eighty percent of the uh, tandem mark in the tandem rigs in the world are UPT. So that says they're a big share right there. Um, if you're on probation, this means you've done your tandem training. After you've done your first uh, five to ten training jumps, I'm going to say ten training jumps, five with an examiner, five under the supervision of an examiner. Jump 11, you can start taking paying customers. From jump 11 through jump 25, you're still on probation. If you're on tandem probation, you still have to do a tandem every 30 days. If you are in your probationary period, if you've recently earned your tandem rating, and it's been more than 30 days since your last tandem, you actually need to do a minimum of two tandems. You're going to go on a solo jump, get familiar with the rig again, make sure you know where the handles are, get familiar with the system. Man, it definitely makes me nervous putting that extra system on, even with as much experience as I have. And then go and take somebody with at least 100 jumps and experienced jumper as a student or a passenger. Um, you're also going to want to make sure the passenger's been trained. Uh, something people don't do, if you're taking your friend on a skydive, they have to watch the UPT video. They have to fill out the tandem waiver. I signed the waiver at the DZ. Did you sign the tandem? The tandem waiver. Yeah, you've yeah. got it. So under 30 days, you've got to do, uh, if you're probationary, less than 30 days, you've got to do full recurrency. Over 180 days, you've got to do full recurrency. If it's been more than 90, just take a fun jumper. Um, if it's more than two years, you basically need to take a course all over again. Reduced number of jumps, but you have to do the entire classroom over again. Yeah. So it'll be three jump minimum if it's been more than two years. So um, hopefully you guys have never been uncurrent. Hopefully you guys don't really get uncurrent. But keep going through these processes. Everything we talked about with tandem or uh, uh, license jumpers and students and the thought processes as tandem instructors, you should be thinking that tenfold. You should be reviewing those EPs daily. Um, it's so neat. We, we have a couple part-time tandem instructors at Spaceland who actually have the EP charts on their locker, and they're like, man, I always look at it. Every day that I'm out here, I just breeze through them once just to make sure I feel comfortable knowing them. Uh, Mike Fisher was one of them. Um, is that who you're thinking of? Yeah. 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 Um, His locker used to be right next to mine. Yeah. yeah. It's like It's great. And right then there. the day he does a tandem, he sits down and goes over them again. It's very thoughtful, and we should all be thinking that way. It, it really it, it makes a big difference. So. Hopefully, guys and gals, you aren't too uncurrent. Hopefully, uh, COVID-19 has not held you back too much. But, man, it's held us back a little bit. For sure. Man, this time next year, is Scott Ivan going to be back to normal, guys? God, I really think so and really hope so. I can't imagine. I mean, I think that given another year, we will have adjusted to whatever, you know, um, the most appropriate response is to this situation. Um, I the more information that comes out, the more I wonder: Have we overreacted? Like, do would, how big of a difference would we notice if we didn't shut the world down? And time's gonna tell. You know, when when things open back up, of of whether that's a legitimate feeling to have or not. I'm certainly, I'm open to whatever information is out there. And uh, if if someone's got the information to change my mind, I will most certainly change it. Like I'm not I'm not married to thinking one way or the other. I'm just married to taking the most information and processing it and, and making the the smartest decision. So I hope just as as time progresses, we continue to make uh, decisions based on facts and 
not based just on fear. But I would be really surprised if in a year from now, skydiving doesn't look pretty similar as it looked a year ago. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is our new, uh, or, or like you guys remember like the bad year we had where it rained all the way into like the middle of May. This is our new that story. <laughs> like like take the rains and everything out and hey, yeah, you weren't around for that time when the COVID-19 happened and how bad that got around here. Yeah. I think this is our new one of those. My biggest concern isn't uh, can skydiving get back to normal through yeah. face mask, not face mask, touch, not touch, but financially what recovery will we have? Yeah. That scares me because uh, people tend to cut out the fun stuff. Tend, people tend to cut out the extracurricular but I have noticed in a lot of my time in skydiving, I mean, I've been skydiving full-time for uh, 15, 18 years, something like that, 18 years. Um, so people, even though they cut back on the frivolous stuff, recession doesn't seem to hurt skydiving as bad as I would think it would be. Yeah. It's big a ticket enough that people go, oh, I'll splurge and do this, but still affordable enough that they say, ah, I can afford it. So I'm really hoping that we don't see too much of a hindrance um, you know, my, my my friends who have to work through all of this, I, I would love to see you guys eat more than what you've been eating lately. <laughs> Although you are looking kind of skinny. I've actually gained weight. Uh, <laughs> the COVID-19? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's literally, well, it's, it's from lack of activity. Like I've only been, I've been going out for walks every day. I've been, uh, I don't, I'm not, like Nick, I, I cannot motivate myself to work out. Like I look out at the runway and I so see people running. And only like, have it, my friend. I don't want to do it either. I, I can't. I just can't motivate myself to do it. Anyways, uh, it's pretty much just from sitting around and reading books and probably drinking too much beer. But uh, it's, yeah. I'm not <laughs> what <laughs> I'm you've not been reading? Skinnier. Uh, uh, I have a collection of books that I've, I I cycle through yeah. that I just can never put down and never end up finishing the series. So. What is it? Um, it's an old series. Uh, I cannot think of the author right now, but it's called the Sword of Truth series. Okay. Uh, the Sword of Truth. Yeah. I it's a series I got into in high school, just to tell you how old it is. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's been a great series. Novel by Terry Goodkind. Thank you. Boom. Terry Goodkind. Is it, sounds like dragons. Uh, it's uh science fiction fantasy. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of both. Yeah. I, I love fantasy books. They really are the ones that, that tear me in the most. I actually, Will of Time uh, series. Have you heard of that? I got into like the first two or three books and got so lost because there are too many freaking characters. Yeah, you got out <laughs> in time because about book six, uh, it gets really just dry. It gets hard. Uh, um, it, through through about four or five, as it was okay, and after that. And then I lose track of the numbers. I actually forgot I had the books. I was cleaning the bookshelves today, and, and right now I see right behind you The Great Hunt. It was Robert Jordan, yeah. uh, one of those books. Have you, uh, you, you may have seen the movie. Did you ever read Ready Player One? Yes, but I didn't, wasn't smart enough to reread it prior to the movie coming out. Did you see his sequel, Armada? Did you read that book? Nope, never, uh, never got around to. It. I do want to get those books. Uh, and, you uh, want to borrow? Them. Uh, you can borrow either one of them. They're right behind you. On your way out, grab them. Uh, I'll, I'll point them out to you. Yes. Um, Armada is not as good as Ready Player One. It's a quick, you know, like, hey, let me throw out another book like it. I still enjoy the crap out of it. If you want a quick, easy, light read, sure. which honestly, I love Ready Player One, but it's a quick, easy, light read. Yeah. Um, Armada goes along that same point and. Really, both those books, Ernest Klein, I think is his name. Uh, I'm super interested in yep. waiting because he's supposedly writing another book, but it's going to be straight to screen. Kind of, I just, I don't know how well that's going to go for me. Yeah. 
We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I did like Ready Player One, the movie. Like, I was pretty happy with how they did. Dude, I heard a lot of friends bitch about book to movie, and straight up, no, it, it wasn't good, but it's, it's just going with different expectations. Yeah, it, it was... It wasn't going to... It was never going to be exactly like the book. No it, it was playing to the same theme, playing to a very similar theme, and I feel... And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail for this. I feel like they followed the plot and the idea of the book very well. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and for me, it's hard because the author... Mm-hmm is the same exact age as me. The character who, uh, 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 the, the guy who created Facebook at the time, yeah, who has all the the uh, retro thing, is the exact same. We were all born in the same time frame. So everything in that book was written to my life. Right. So I really was attached to, like, Joust being in the book. Yes. Um, and, like, just that opening scene, the first time you see all the cars lined up for the race, like, like pause, like freeze frame that spot and look at all the different uh, Easter egg references there are in there to yeah. all kinds of different old classic movies. It's yeah. all kinds of different cool vehicles in there. Just watch a book separate from a movie. Don't compare the two to each other. Watch the book separate. That's how you know what I'm trying to say, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to have my scotch to sit back down. <laughs> Man, it's, uh, it's been good catching up. I'm really super uh, happy. Guys and gals, there's been at least six feet between us, and we've been killing everything with alcohol, so we've been totally safe. Uh, I've been silently coughing all over everything. It's uh, And boy, I've got it. It's funny. Nick was here last night as well. We, we've done, uh, what is the name of that show? LB Live. And before he shows up, everything gets wiped down with alcohol wipes. Uh, I actually shut off the keyboard and mouse so yeah. I can wipe it all down. And last night, <laughs> he was like, oh, that's so much easier. And then today, I tried to go type. I couldn't figure out why it's not working, because he had just turned it off to wipe everything down. Because I'm an idiot. I'm, little known fact. No, it's very well known, man. <laughs> good, you good. and your baby T-Rex arms. Um, dude, I, I got to show you some video from the Adriano kid, man. I watched a slider coming down, and I pictured some T-Rex trying to choke a giant to the <laughs> neck. And that shit worked, son. Dude, so A, I've known that trick uh, for a while, and I've just never thought it was... Uh, just, I've always done just my rears. I what all four line groups obviously effectively better by watching your video. Um and I've never realized how unknown that is until I've watched a lot of videos in the last few days and everybody fights to get their slider. I'm like if you'd watch Nick Lott's tip you Tuesday. Know, I, I think it may be especially true for the Valkyrie more yes. than other canopies. Um, I'm excited to see how it works for other people when we get back to skydiving and people get to tell me about trying this trick and see if it works for them. I or am not. for sure trying but man, that trick. On, uh, on my Valkyrie, it works real well. Huge help on VKs. You've got enough vertical descent rate when it's trying to push it back up. So you're just restricting. You're, you, you've seen this video, so you know where he's going. I'm a, well, I'm, I'm on a Comp Velo full RDS, and so the pilot chute is pulling up. pulling up as well. So like, I'm just really anxious to try. Uh, seeing how that, how, what kind of effect that's going to have. Because uh, I was like, I, I, I know it works really good on VKs, I, I, but I don't have a VK. <laughs> Man, it is good to be back. Hopefully, guys and gals, you'll be back in the sky soon, whether you're getting away from COVID-19, whether you're still wrapping up your winter season because a lot of countries and parts of the world still are wrapping their winter season, or whether you've just taken a break because of life. Hopefully, Scott, I've treat you well. Mr. Fudala. Oh, man, I was early. Sorry. You're way early there. <laughs> Mr. Fudala, anything you want to share while he's uh, blowing our eardrums up? Hey, that's uh, that, yeah, I'm going to blame your computer for that one. What, what, what just happened? I don't uh, know. Surprise ending. No, uh, I'm it's like a plot twist, to like a movie. Yeah. I, I'm 
glad to see you guys again and definitely looking forward to getting back in the sky. Like I, I really, 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 really want to go jump out of an airplane really, really badly. Really, really badly. So Mr. P. Sorry, I'm just fine trying to find which of the four screens in front of me the controls for that music are, <laughs> and I've found them. So I feel accomplished. I've done it. I've found it. I'm going to hit the music when it's time. Uh, Mr. Pete, we have a 20% off Infinity Rig to give out to one listener of Gravity Lab Radio. That's kind of exciting. Ooh. 20% off the rig. Man, COVID-19 is coming to a wrap. Guys and gals, we're going to have a giveaway sometime soon. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know how. I've been sitting on this prize uh, since actually, uh, what was that thing called? The Safety Film Festival. Day. Oh, wow, since October then. I've had this. I actually mentioned it to you once before, and we it was a brief and passing by the way I have this thing. Um, it's time. Let's let the dragon out. Guys and gals. Are hey. we going to have people compete over this, this or are we just going to give it to the nicest person we can think of? We're going to figure that out, and you guys will know the details when we tell you. Deal. Till then, boom. Mr. P, play that funky white boy music. Guys and gals, COVID-19, suck a big fat dick. Gravity <laughs> Lab Radio, Blue Skies, peace out. Bye. I love you, Mom. I'm sorry for my potty mouth. I'll wash it <laughs> out. I'll drink the Lysol. Oh, yeah, don't we talk through this now? Is that what we're supposed to do? I want that. I'm not. Well, we used to not talk through this, and now it seems to be a thing. Oh, well, if, if my mom and dad are still watching. Hi, Mom and Dad. Banana hammock. Yeah. Don't say that in front of his mother. That's disrespectful. What if well, his mother I mean, likes banana they, hammocks? They <laughs> listened through this entire thing already. They've heard worse. Bye bye. <laughs>